Welcome to the Stay Loyal Podcast, where we seek to find objective truths about specific topics with experts in those fields. In this episode, I'll be talking to my good friend, Yana Babayan, who is a survivor of Black January, also known as Black Saturday or the January Massacre, which is a violent crackdown on the civilian population of Baku on 19 to 20 January 1990, as a part of a state of emergency during the dissolution of the Soviet Union. General Secretary of the Soviet Communist Party, Mikhail Gorbachev, and Defense Minister Dmitry Yazov asserted that the military law was necessary to thwart efforts by the Azerbaijani Defense Independence Movement to overthrow the Soviet Azerbaijani government. According to the official estimates of Azerbaijan, 147 civilians were killed, 800 people were injured, and 5 people went missing. In a resolution of 22 January 1990, the Supreme Soviet of Azerbaijan SSSR declared that the decree of the Presidium of the Supreme Soviet of the USSR of 19 January used to impose emergency rule in Baku and military deployment constituted an act of aggression. Enjoy the show. So, uh, initially, the conversation that um, that I wanted to have with you was that specific post that you posted okay. on Facebook. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think you said something something along the lines that like you see. America following the same path that uh, mm-hmm. the former Soviet Union yeah. went down. So if you could explain to me, like, why did yeah. you, why, what made you post that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, in the Soviet Union, we had, like, specific newspaper. It was called Pravda. Mm-hmm. And Pravda means truth. Sure. And this is what the government always put out. Mm-hmm. Only, like, what they want us to listen to and hear. And they would censor anything that they did not want us to know. So in Soviet Union, news, newspapers, magazines, everything was controlled. Mm-hmm. Even if the world outside the Soviet Union was falling apart, even if things bad were happening in Soviet Union, none of it was printed. Only what they wanted us to know. And so when the censorship started um, with conservatives, and they began just, you know, the whole you know, left-wing newspapers and like CNN, MSNBC, and they were only putting out what they want people to hear, and they were censoring conservatives. I'm like, this is exactly what was happening in Soviet Union, you know? They, how they brainwashed us, they called the newspaper Pravda, which means the truth. The truth yeah. But yet it wasn't, it was a lie. And so I can, we could just recognize the signs when they begin to, you know, um, silence the conservative voices, and especially when it actually began on Facebook, they start taking posts down. You couldn't voice your opinion. This is exactly what ha- was happening in Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And it always starts slow. You know, at first it's something that like, oh, that sounds racist, mm-hmm. or that sounds like, oh no, you know, this is we're taking this down because it's racist, it's violent. It's always something. But then they start kind of, you know, uh, making it bigger and bigger why they should take it down and censor it. Mm-hmm. So this was just these signs you know those red flags start popping up you're like and i'm like this is not right you know we have the first amendment and we should be able to voice our opinion let's say even if somebody doesn't agree we still have that first amendment to to say what you want to say to say what we want to say and when they censor us just because they feel like you have no right to say that that's you know that's like communism Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they were doing Mm -hmm. and we only could listen and read what the government would issue us. Just like CNN at one point said, you know, it's our job to tell you the truth. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, who made you, the, you know, the truth speakers? Sure. And we have to just listen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, we cannot have our own opinion. Mm-hmm. So did you yeah. feel like uh, even the news, were, news media was 
um, somehow connected to the the global agenda? Did you? Oh, absolutely. And you feel that's the reason oh, yeah. why they are upholding yeah. a certain type of propaganda? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's the news media kind of gets the you know the ball rolling mm -hmm. type of thing mm -hmm. because they have they can bra brainwash the audience. Sure. They can actually put something in their mind, you mm -hmm. know, uh, to make them question things or, you know, example with the whole COVID yep. and how they made it much bigger than it really it was. Been, yeah. And their agenda was to put fear. Mm -hmm. Their agenda was also not only fear, but to divide people. So the news media, I believe, is is working with the government to divide people. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did even in Soviet Union before the communism started. And even in my country, and I can share that a little bit with you later, but it was to divide people. So it was to dehumanize one side of people. Sure. So that's what they're doing. So they feel like if we can divide American people, mm -hmm. that way they will always be at each other's throats, yep. then they were not, they're not gonna see what we're doing behind the scenes. Sure. You weren't part of um, the country of Russia, but you were part of the Soviet Union, which is a bunch of other countries, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. country were, were, you, were you born in? Yeah, so I was born in Azerbaijan. Uh, Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan. Nice. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's right by Armenia, yep. Caspian yep. Sea. Yeah, Central Asia. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. A lot of people don't know where that's yeah. located. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, I was born there. Uh -huh. I was actually... Well, my great great parents sure. my, on my mom's side, they were I, they were from Iran, but mm -hmm. they were Armenian, sure. and they ran away the first genocide of nineteen fifteen, Armenian genocide. Got it. Yeah. So my nationality is Armenian, sure. but we live in predominantly Azerbaijan was predominantly you know Muslim, but it was kind of like a melting pot. They had Armenian, Russian, Georgians, um, Azeri people living there, but we were still part of the Soviet Union. So I, I lived there, my parents grew up there, I grew up there, I lived there, uh, let's see, till I was nine. And then a war broke out there. A lot of people have not heard about that war. Uh, it was 1988. It was basically Azeri people were killing the Armenians over a piece of land, Nagorno-Karabakh, that was part of Armenia and Azerbaijan, and Azeri people were saying that this is our land, Armenians were like, no, this is our land. So a dispute happened. We don't know much of the truth of what actually happened. So they were just killing the, w the way from the country right into the city. Hmm. And so, and of course, this is before internet. Yep. So, you know, our family will call us up and said, this is what's happening. They're massacring people. You know, people that were your friends, your neighbors, somebody you just sat, had dinner with as your friend, just, they turn against you. And I mean, they did horrible things. They massacred people. Um, and overnight, you know, our whole world changed. And so I remember my parents talking to us about that. This is what's happening. And we have kind of had to go into hiding in our home. Okay. And, and how many siblings did you have? I had my sister, my older sister, okay. and I, yep. And my parents, my dad and my mom were divorced. So okay. my mom remarried my stepdad. Sure. He was half Azeri, half Russian. Okay. And he was very well known in Baku, which is great because I think because he was so well known, his friend who was Azeri, he helped us escape after, I think it was six or nine months after the massacre started, he helped us to escape mm -hmm. in the middle of the night to uh, the last train that left Baku. We got in the last train. 10 minutes after we boarded the train, a lot of Azeri people showed up and killed a lot of Armenians. And okay, so it was part of escaped. like that your village or town yeah. that they, they can't massacre that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. They okay. killed a lot of people. They, okay. um, 
dug up old Armenian graves, wow. desecrated everything. Mm-hmm. Um, would there, would your dad have been a target since oh he yeah. was famous? Mm-hmm. Okay. You could have been. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so where been. did you, where did that train lead you to? So that train left from Moscow. We, after 10 minutes, we took off. Um, I remember as we were, I think 10 minutes, 20 minutes into our trip, I remember rocks hitting the window and there was a bunch of teenage boys, Azeri boys, yelling death to Armenians. Mm. But I think there was this peace knowing that they can't get to us. But I still remember that. And that train took us to um, Moscow. We ran away to Moscow only with one suitcase. Uh, We left everything behind, our home, our belongings, everything, everything. We just fled. Uh, We got to Moscow. Uh, We stayed with my stepdad's friends for a couple of days. I think it was a couple of days or a week. And then finally we, I think it was a hotel that took us in and we lived in a hotel for two years before we came to America. Wow, so in terms of um, moving to America, did the Americans know what was going on in in Central Asia and that was the reason they they were allowing refugees into the country? Yeah. Okay. Um, Tell you the truth, I'm not sure if the American embassy in Russia knew. I don't think Americans knew because so many people I talk to don't even know what happened. Okay, yeah. I'm unfamiliar with it, so yeah. Yeah, so many people didn't know. So what happened in Moscow? uh, We had no future, basically. Mm -hmm. The sad thing is about Moscow, um, you know, it's kind of like, because it was a part of Soviet Union, Uh it's like going from Texas to New York. Yes, that's a little culture shock, like, oh, well, Texas is more Southern, but, you know, we speak the same language, we're Americans. We were all Soviets. So when we moved, well, ran away to Moscow, uh, Russian people living in Moscow turned out to be brutal. They hated us. And of course, you know, we have darker complexion. Uh, They called us very, really bad things. Things that, you know, very derogative words. I got beat up every day at school. Mm -hmm. My parents, uh, everybody, I mean, they harassed everybody, called us names. And um, knowing what we just escaped, knowing how many people they massacred and these people were offended we were there and this is what you know the government in moscow because there was this influx of refugees coming from baku they basically said well we don't know where to put you guys you know you can go to siberia they're like well what are we going to do in siberia you know we're like okay and we have nowhere to go Mm -hmm. and my parents were they were just heartbroken they said we left everything behind they were very well-educated people, and they're sending us to Siberia. So I remember that there was, because this was in Moscow, there was two embassies, Canadian and I think American. And my parents were just like, what if we just try for a visa? It's kind of like uh, buying a lottery and thinking like you're going to win. And I mean, that's it's, what it it's is. still like a lottery system, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's like, a, you know, it's a lottery. Mm-hmm. You can just... Like, I hope I win. So we did put our number in. Uh, we filled out an application. My parents did. And the process was, it, it was a long process. And understandably so, American Embassy had to, of course, look into everything. They interviewed all of us. Um, we had to go through medical screening. We had to get, I remember, x-rays. We had to get all these physicals in Moscow. And still, after everything we've done, they still said, well, now you have to wait. You know, now your application is being processed by, you know, the American embassy or an Americans in America. 
So for two years we waited. We just waited to see what's going to happen. And this is in Moscow? This is in Moscow. So we arrived in Moscow in 88. And I don't uh, remember like when my parents did the visa, but I know, you know, from, because we came to America in 1990, right okay. at the end of 1990. So for all these years, we're waiting for the answer and USSR is falling apart. Yep, 1991, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're just in the cusp of USSR falling apart. Mm -hmm. Food shortage, you know, supply shortage, and just horrible things happening. And we were right in the middle of this, and living in Moscow, no money, no food, and um, waiting for American embassy to basically give us an answer. And we're just like, what are we gonna do if they don't? And uh, you know, at that time, we were not believers, and that's another great story, uh, how God actually led us to America. Sure. And um, do you want me to share that part? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so I remember, one day we went to, it was an Armenian church. Um, it was, they, they're very similar to Catholic, but it's like Orthodox church. Sure. Never been to one. First time walking into a church. And in Moscow, they had these churches, but it was almost like a museum. Yep. You know what I'm yep. saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it was I know, I know Russia had a lot of Orthodox churches yeah, at one point. Yeah, until yeah. I think they mm -hmm. kind of destroyed all those, but yeah. Yeah, like all elaborate, mm -hmm. gold, and just... More like Very a, fancy, yeah. gothic sort of, yeah. Exactly, and this is what we walked into, and I remember just being dark, like to me, like just like I, this is a church. But I remember uh, my mom crying, and she was crying, and I still remember that, and I remember just like kind of looking up at her, and she was crying, and I didn't know, but at the moment she was saying, you know, God, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real, I want to know you. And that night, my mom had a vision. And you know how Paul says, in the body, out of the body, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And she had a vision, and we never read a Bible, so we don't know anything about that, but she saw stairs up to heaven. And on top of the stairs stood Jesus, all in a white robe, you know, light around his face. His hands stretched out, and he said, come to me. And then right there, it's almost like prophetically, she saw a golden eagle right mm -hmm. on his shoulder. And when my mom woke up, she woke, um, she woke up from this vision, and she woke my stepdad, and she said, just saw God I just saw Jesus and when my mom shared the story with my sister and I I just I don't know I just fell in love with Jesus I didn't know him but I remember just like there's God in this cruel world mm -hmm. like he's real mm -hmm. and I just remember like oh wow you know I, I I can't believe there's Jesus and I just remember praying to him I don't even how I didn't even know how but what happened is that after that we got called to American Embassy, and they said, we got you sponsors. And that was one of the protocols. You had to have sponsors to come sure. to the United States. We were so excited, we're like, hey, we got sponsors. I remember my parents coming home, and we were just crying and you know, celebrating. Finally, we sold the last of what we had. My mom had this silver um, cup. I think it was her great-granddad's, or I'm sorry, her great-grandpa's and to buy tickets. We borrowed money for 10,000 rubles. We go to American Embassy to get our visa on the day we're leaving, and an American uh, employee there says, I'm sorry, but your sponsor's pulled out. You can't go to America. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, well, what do you mean? We, we have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. We just sold the last what I have. He's like, I'm sorry. You basically have to go back. 
apply for a visa all over again no, because no. you need sponsors. Wow. And so we're standing in the American Embassy, and my mom, she drops to her knees, and she just says, you know, three times in Russian, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this American employee, somebody called him and said, well, you're receiving a fax. He said, I will be right back. He goes into his office, and he comes out, and he goes, you're a Yuba family. And we're like, yeah. He goes, I have no idea what just happened, but you just got sponsored. Wow. And we just left American Embassy, and we, yeah, we drove to the airport, and that's how we came to America. Uh, organizations uh, yes. that, that I, I know mm -hmm. Bethany does a lot with. Uh, oh, Bethany Christian? Yeah, so mm -hmm. I, I know they do a lot mm -hmm. with uh, Congolese and South mm -hmm. African mm -hmm. um, refugees there. So was it through an organization like that, or was it just a so, sort of a visa um, situation that happened? Yeah, I think... I know it was a church. Okay. Um, my aunt, she came here six months before that, and I mm -hmm. think it was a church, but there was an organization, I just can't remember the name, and I don't know if they're still the same organization, um, but it was one of the organization, I think, partners with the church. Because okay. the church helped us with, um, kind of give us, you know, the apartment to set us up, take us to church, take us to wherever we need to go to get, you know, the license, uh, food, and stuff like that. And I think their organization, I'm not sure what they were in charge of, but there was an organization. Okay. I just can't remember. But it was, I think, both. They worked together to help the family sure. to get assimilated into America, kind of help them to, you know, coming here was such a culture shock. So, yeah. So basically when you were in uh, Azerbaijan, when they started, yeah. um, I guess the revolt that started, what was, the, what was the first, you were nine, you said? I was eight at about to, okay. to turn nine. Yeah. And what were your mm -hmm. first thoughts when that happened? Oh my goodness. Did you see any of the, uh, any of the violence that happened? You, s you did see it? Yes, we saw, well, we, we knew about it. We heard, okay. we heard, we heard tanks going by. We had to basically be like prisoners in our house. Uh, we couldn't go out. What happened one day, I went to school, because the school was right across where we lived. We lived in more like apartment buildings, but it was our house. And right across where we lived was my school. And one day, because it was still more in, you know, in the countryside, if not in the city, I went to school and I remember waiting for my friend and I saw a bus of Azeri people and they were yelling, like, death to America. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry, Americans, Armenian. <laughs> so it was very traumatic for me because my parents, um, they shared with us how they were killing people. Okay. They were not using guns, they were using knives. Mm -hmm. And uh, we lived in fear of that. And being so little and knowing about that, I used to hide under my bed. I used to sleep under the bed. So when you heard noises, mm -hmm. you would go under? Oh, was yeah. it consistently that consistently. you slept? Okay. We okay. had to not have lights on in the house. Okay. So we basically were in the dark. Sure. And I would hide under the bed because I was so afraid. You know, if they were going to come, they're not going to find me there. Mm -hmm. uh, we heard about uh, one gentleman who lived in one of the apartments uh, houses he went out to get food for his family and they okay. killed him right okay. where we lived i heard tanks going by every night thinking that oh yeah you know russian government sent tanks mm -hmm. thinking they're there to help us but yeah we heard of, about a lot of violence um, i praise god that we didn't actually see it you know okay. them doing that but we heard a lot about it mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. was russia the Sort of like the capital where you'd expect uh, help Moscow. to come from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Alright, so when yes. you so when you were living in Moscow, like what was that tension like? I know you said that obviously the complexion of your skin yeah. causes issues, but would you guys speak the same like did you speak Russian? We spoke Russian. Okay, yeah. you spoke Russian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so to me that specific mm-hmm. concept because I grew up in South India. Yeah. And people are mostly like dark as dark or darker mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually the light skin yeah, <laughs> of my yeah. of my of my society, um, but when anybody from North India you know came you know went to our school yeah. we'd always pick on those kids you know so they were lighter they were much lighter they were mm-hmm. from uh, the Middle Eastern countries oh, you know okay, you know how okay. they like you know moved oh, into yeah. India and they kind of had had, had their old co- mm-hmm. colonies there, mm-hmm. but I don't think it necessarily matter about if it's light or dark where like the light always. Mm-hmm. Um, discriminates against the dark but it's just a difference in skin color that causes people to target one another in that light what did you think as a kid when you went to some i would assume mm-hmm. that people in moscow were lighter skinned yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. in that in that time what mm-hmm. what were the thoughts that were going through your head because i grew up in a predominantly dark skinned mm-hmm. community yeah. in india um there were always like slurs that, that were going going around light skin, dark skin slurs against them. Yeah. Um, but as a child, what were the first instincts that you felt when someone was yeah. kind of discriminating you again for your color? Yeah. It was, you know, when you're that little, I didn't even know it was different. You sure. Know, yeah. Growing up in Azerbaijan, of course, we had melting pot of Azeris who mm-hmm. are, you know, if you put an Azeri in Armenian, you and I tell a difference. We have the same, you know, brown eyes, dark hair, uh, and then we had Russians with blonde hair, blue eyes. I didn't think that I was that different. And then, you know, once the war started, it's like Armenians are bad. They were killing us. You go to Moscow, and Russians are predominantly blonde hair, blue eyes. And all of a sudden, they're looking at us like, you know, and and they did use really derogative words um, that I won't repeat. It made me feel not accepted and made me feel horrible. How can these people do that? And I still remember standing in line for food because this was very common to do that and I still remember these elderly women you know turning around and berating my sister and I and calling our names as we're two little girls standing there it made us feel horrible you know not welcome I got beat up every day at school my sister and I did all because we were you know it's different different and we were not welcome and um, it was very hard as a kid I know if I did not come to America, what was beginning to happen, my heart was becoming hardened. I had to start fight, fight, you know, fighting fight. back. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was notorious for that. I got in trouble all the time in school, but it's like survival of the fittest. Or they're going to beat me up. So this is in Russia? This okay. is in Moscow. I mean, yeah, Moscow, yeah. It changed me. It mm-hmm. was beginning to change me. And yep. to a point that one day, because these constant fights, you know, my sister would get beat up. I would get beat up and I would fight back. I had a boy, an upper classmate. He beat me up really bad. And I finally had enough. I went and told my stepdad and he came to school. You know, and he's a former cop. And he, he, he barges in this class and he said, who beat you up? And I go, that boy. Mm-hmm. And he, he did, he grabbed him and said, if you ever touch my daughter or another, another woman again, you know, you'll hear from me. And you can do that in Russia, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. But it just, it had to take my dad mm-hmm. to finally, you know, stop that. But we stopped going to school because we were being harassed. But, you know, that rejection, even then, knowing I was different, 
followed even to America because when we came to Grand Rapids, we were like, I don't want to say the first, we were in the first, but then we moved to Granville, which is predominantly, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. uh, white community. So we, we did stand out, you know, we definitely stand out. My last name, my first name, like who are these people? And they were nothing like the Russians were in Moscow, but you knew you were different. Mm -hmm. You knew you were different. And, you know, I've been here almost 31 years. I still feel different. Sure. Yeah. I still feel like I don't belong. Mm -hmm. Just, And I'm not saying that American people necessarily make me feel that way, but I think it's just, you know. Do you think it's the mindset? I think so. Okay. I think, I may, maybe, I, yeah, maybe it's the mindset. Because okay. my daughter, you know, and I'm married in America, American, born, well, we're no longer married, but my daughter, you know, I don't think she struggles with that, even though she has, you know, brown eyes, um, she has lighter brown so hair. So she has like um, yeah. Central Oil Asian features. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She. I don't think she struggles as much as you know. I. I, I struggle with that. So mm -hmm. it's. I mean, obviously, even though she might not look sort of completely. Yeah. What everybody in uh, in West Michigan looks like. Yeah. But it's the mentality that keeps her afloat. Is that what I you think? think? So. Okay. Yeah. But for yeah. you, you you sort. I, I wouldn't say you struggle, but mm -hmm. you sort of like feel different because mm -hmm. you think differently from people that have not gone through the same thing that you yeah. have. And is it more of a complacency of them that makes you annoyed? Um, I think the thing is, you know, even like being married to an American mm -hmm. and even I had American friends, it's very different. You know, I think culturally too, even though I was young when I came here, there's something also that instilled in you culturally. And sometimes it's really hard, I don't even know how to explain, um, that in America, you know, I think it's hard for them to accept different cultures, how we think or how we act. Like, if you ever visit my family, we're very loud. Okay. And people are like, are you guys arguing? I'm like, no, 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 no this is how, how we, we are. Talk, yeah. You know, you come to my house and they're yeah. like, eat, 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 like mm -hmm. all day eat. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, we don't want to eat anymore. Yep. You know, just, just culturally, just some things are a little bit different. And, you know, like my marriage didn't work out because we were culturally different. He mm -hmm. was an American, I was not, mm -hmm. and we clashed. And even having American friends, there are certain things we clash on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, and I don't know if it's the mindset or it's, to tell you the truth, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, um, do you think it's the softness of the mentality where obviously when we come from continent of asia everything is either get it done or get off the pot you know yeah. it's more of like you act mm -hmm. or stop mm -hmm. complaining it's it we we, yes. we have that mentality because yeah. that's what our parents pushed us to do you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. because when, if you didn't act mm -hmm. then someone's gonna scoop you away yes. you know you're gonna get uh, mm -hmm. taken advantage of yeah. um but mm -hmm. i don't think people mm -hmm. understand that because they have the pr privilege of not mm -hmm. doing much and still just being okay mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. You're absolutely and right. yeah. mm -hmm. and w I mean I don't mind, I don't know if you're comfortable uh, yeah, talking yeah. about this but like what what drew you to your husband to begin with um, he was a Christian sure yeah. yeah and I thought you know I was always attracted to more like American sure, like yeah. lighter skin absolutely, yeah, yeah. and he was a Christian and I didn't really want a Russian mm -hmm. but I was also like 20 years old okay so I was like I need an American you yeah. know and that's what, th the biggest thing was, is he was Christian. Sure. And I was like, he's Christian, and this is going to be great. Um, 
and I think a couple years it was great and then you could see culturally we were very different as older we were getting him and I he was six years older than I sure we can see that we culturally we clashed I was very homebody mm-hmm. and in my culture women usually stay at home yeah house and you know but another thing that happened to me is in, in, I like what you said you know and we never talked about that in Russia I had PTSD mm-hmm. after September mm-hmm. 11th I didn't know what was happening mm-hmm. to me I didn't know why I had anxiety I was crying uh, I didn't know I experienced PTSD and it was right when him and I were I think we were engaged or getting married so mm-hmm. that really affected relationship yeah, sure. but in my culture like you said we don't talk about depression it's like you know, pull, pull, pull yourself out by bootstraps, you know, and keep going. But I'm like, something is wrong. And I remember my mom was like, no, there's nothing wrong. Just go take a shower. Just go outside. Everything's going to be okay. I'm like, no, 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 there's something wrong. And so I didn't seek help right away. Um, but then I did, you know, I had to get on some medication because it was really hard for me because, you know, it was like Muslims attacking America now. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. We just escaped that. Uh, but... I could see that my husband or my ex-husband and I were culturally very different. Mm-hmm. And I think it was hard for him to kind of accept that. And maybe it was hard for me to accept. I don't want to say that he accepted him. I just, it was hard for me to change because I was such a homebody. I like to stay home. I had my own understanding. And he was just outgoing. You know, he mm-hmm. wants to go camping. He wants to go do this. And So he wanted, so you, he wanted to take you with along with him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I was kind of like, nope, I just want to stay home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like in that moment that that you were pulling away from him or he was pulling away from you? Yeah, you were pulling, absolutely. You were pulling mm-hmm. away from him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But would he, like, mm-hmm. constantly come after you and say, hey, would you do this? Would you do that with me? But, and, but yeah. you were like, ah, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. I and just wanted to stay at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so who who initiated separating yeah, that's a long story. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did. He did. He okay. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he was sort of like, I don't, yeah. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think the marriage was falling apart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what, what, what initially in that? How long did you guys date before you guys got married? That's a good question. What um, was that even? Two, two yeah. years. Okay. Two, two years. years. We we started dating two thousand, and we got married two thousand two. Okay. So about two, I think one year dating, then engaged for a year, and then we got married. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a typical American yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. In that mm-hmm. moment, did, was he fascinated by by your by your mindset and culture? Um, is that why he tended to like you know, yeah. uh, like you mm-hmm. and was attracted to? You? Is that would you say that's Absolutely. accurate? Okay. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he he didn't understand mm-hmm. that that was not a long term. Um, mm-hmm. I mean this question properly did he think that that would be okay long term i think so i'm not i think so maybe okay i think he was fascinated you know like i'm different uh different culture Mm -hmm. and i was younger Mm -hmm. i think he really liked that but i don't think he and i really took into consideration we're very different accounting the cost in terms Mm -hmm. of Long-term relationship. Yeah, I was just not one of those girls like sit by the campfire and drink beer. I didn't like to drink. Like I'm just such a homebody, Mm -hmm. and and it's okay if that's what he liked to do with his friends. It's Mm -hmm. just I tried, and like it's just not me. 
like see we can take that into consideration that and I don't know we, we kind of try to make it work but we didn't have anything in common anymore mm -hmm. like he loved to go to the races I went with him a couple of times but again it's not my cup of tea okay I'm just such a I always say hermit like I'm just a homebody mm -hmm. and so did, did going out kind of give you like anxiety mm -hmm. okay yeah and mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Do, do, do you believe that like it was sort of like a cultural thing where since you weren't as outgoing in your past that mm -hmm. all of this outgoing kind of made you nervous yeah okay I think <clears throat> I think it could be maybe not wanting to go out um, feeling maybe rejection because knowing okay, that I didn't yeah. fit in mm -hmm. and again it could be just in my mind mm -hmm. feeling that way and not necessarily people made me that feel you know but it's just I always felt that I didn't fit in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So even when you like went around his friends, uh, yeah. you mm -hmm. probably felt like different mm -hmm. from all of them. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and that that's that's very interesting. So like, yeah. what? So how does uh, your relationship with? Uh, do you live with your daughter right now? Yeah. She lives with you. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. how, she says she's seventeen. She can. Yeah, in two months. Seventeen. So yeah. like, she's probably like thinking about going to college. Yes. And yeah. So yeah. What, what's that like? What's what's your relationship with uh, with her like? It's, it's good. Yeah. It's better. Yeah. Uh, teenage, I, I have to say, uh, you know, those teenage years sure. are tough. Mm -hmm. They're tough. But, you know, my daughter, um, and I'm just so proud of her because she accomplished, and even her life is what I always wanted and never could accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so proud of her because when I look at her, I see something that she's doing and accomplishing that I could never do. Mm -hmm. She is an A student. Mm -hmm. She gets really good grades. She has such wisdom about her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she went to homecoming and she has friends, something that, you know, I struggled making friends because I was so different in America mm -hmm. at that time. You know, right now she has somebody she likes her, a boy that likes sure. her. Yeah. So she's accepted by boys where I didn't I felt I was so different but what I'm so proud of her is that how accomplished she is mm -hmm. how driven she is you know and no matter what happens she just keeps going and just so proud of her because she's doing so well in school mm -hmm. and I did so bad in school mm -hmm. because I hated school mm -hmm. because I was like you know I just came to America in yep. different language different culture I didn't apply myself mm -hmm. and then seeing my daughter really applying herself getting I think her GPA is like 3.7. Mm -hmm. She's taking all AP classes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you are so smart. I feel algebra three times. <laughs> yeah. And she's taking physics. And mm -hmm. so I'm just so proud of her. And, you know, I love the fact, you know, I love that she has a Russian name, but she has an American last name because I love that she fits in. Yep. What's her first name? Um, Alexandra. Alexandra. Oh, so I, I, I've heard so many, like, yeah. uh, you know, Russians have that, that specific yeah, name, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. as as unique, mm -hmm. not necessarily unique, because that's my wife's name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it fits a Russian person so well. It does. <laughs> it, yes. It's, it's, very, it's very interesting. So, um, going back to that, going back to what you said about your mother believing in Christ, yes. right? Mm-hmm. To you, was it more the fact that like somebody that you look up to has hope? Yes. Is that what like brought you to an understanding that there's something yeah. bigger outside of what yeah. you already know? You know, Jesus was, uh, he was my everything. Sure. From the moment my mom told me about him, 
he became my best friend. But why? There was, there was hope, you know, in uh-huh. this cruel world, knowing that this was not it. Okay. There was something, um, knowing that he was there, sure. you know, and there's future with him. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just this comfort, mm-hmm. knowing that there is hope. Mm-hmm. That when we leave this world, um, you know, I don't want to say that I. It's and it's really hard for me, Simon. Sure. Um, in, I know culturally. I know you understand. We don't really talk about our grievances mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so, I know there's a lot of people there that had a hard life. Yep. Uh, I know my life was. It was hard, you know, with a lot of trauma. Um, I had horrible depressions because of what happened. I live with chronic pain in my neck. But what I look forward to is, of course, my time with the Lord. Just that hope, just knowing that there's a better life, a better future. You know, I I mourn sometimes what could have been. I mourn what my life could have been if that war didn't happen in Russia. You know, I was accepted until war started. I had a group of friends. I had people that, my friends that loved me. And we were all different. I had a Russian friend. I had, you know, a Muslim friend. I had Armenian friends. And we all used to get together, you know, go to the movies together. And it was so different. That was a pivotal age for you to make friends and form a community and then to be ripped away from that. Ripped away from that. You know, having a boy that had a crush on you. Mm -hmm. You know, having that culture. We're exciting times. Absolutely. And we had dances I could have attended and be accepted. And just having everything to you know in my country where it was my home we have to get we had to give up our dog and and just even though I love America and I love this country you know I always grieve what could have been mm-hmm. always grieve how my life could have been if war never started because it really um, the trauma followed me even though I'm 42 I still live with memories you know so God even to this day he is my number one you know because he is that hope he gave me absolutely the hope that there's something better after this life there's no more pain no more tears no more that heaviness i i don't know yeah Yeah. so for me my journey into christianity was just weird crazy stereotypical for a pastor's kid Uh, my parents are missionaries, oh. you know, so they um, they've mm. traveled all, all around the world. Mm. They've they've started churches. They've moved several times. I I went to five different elementary schools mm. from first to fifth grade. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> and it's hard. nothing compared to your trauma, but it was traumatic. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah. It was more of a confusing time, mm. Uh, mm. and when I went to. You call I guess they call it middle school here, um, but secondary school is mm-hmm. what we call mm-hmm. back home. So mm-hmm. like that's when I stayed in one specific school, mm-hmm. and I was so excited because I was like, I finally feel like I'm somewhere that I can make friends. Yeah. Um, and I was actually, we came back to my hometown. So mm-hmm. I had to actually learn my hometown language mm-hmm. because since I moved a lot, I never yeah. learned my own language mm-hmm. because my parents, they only spoke to me in English. Because they knew that somehow I would, like, travel abroad, mm-hmm. meet foreigners, talk mm-hmm. to Westerners, and somehow, you know, mingle in that. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you must teach mm-hmm. them English. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. It benefited me a lot because when I came here, mm -hmm. as much as there was a cultural difference, and obviously the ang the accent that comes with it, yeah, mm -hmm. at least I could communicate, you know, clearly mm -hmm. and efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, so my my conversion there, I wouldn't even say call it a conversion. So basically, I I grew up in a Christian household. <laughs> They were all about you know, becoming Christians, becoming into the kingdom, whatever, uh -huh. all those things. Yeah. So, at 15 years old, I was like, I want to be part of that. You know, I'm. Um, I only pretty much went to church to hang out with my friends, but everybody was like <laughs> getting baptized, and it was all cool. They can take communion, and yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm more taste of that. So, <laughs> so, so it's pretty much. I wanted to be accepted, like you said, mm -hmm. into the bigger community where all my parents and their friends were at. So. I definitely believe that somebody outside of this, outside of who we know physically exists. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I couldn't pinpoint who it was. I mean, I know there was names like Jesus, God, mm -hmm. all those things. So, did the whole typical thing, got baptized, and I said, Jesus, Lord. But yeah. I feel like nothing really changed <laughs> in mm -hmm. my life, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the mindset never changed. I just was... I, f I just felt more guilty about any any time I did something wrong. Oh. That was that was just what I, mm -hmm. uh, what transpired from my conversion, if mm -hmm. you'd say. Um, obviously, I came here when I was seventeen for college, in freedom, right? Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Your mm -hmm. parents aren't around. Mm -hmm. um, smoke, drink, hang out with girls. Mm -hmm. Like those were that was like that was a, that was I know education was my big priority. But I know, like, I know I can do all those things mm -hmm. on the side because no one's watching me, right? But I battled with, oh, but I'm a Christian, but mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, all those mm -hmm. things. So, but so I definitely struggled with what I believed and why I believed what I believed. And going through college kind of helped me understand um, that everybody is different. Nobody, nobody becomes a Christian in a cookie cutter manner. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's story is different. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah. Because. Mm -hmm. Everybody became the same. Everybody became Christians the same way back home. So I kind of pushed that on to everybody else. I was like, "Oh, you didn't do that thing, so you're not a Christian. You didn't do that yeah, thing, so you're yeah. not. A, you don't. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't read the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. You're not a Christian, you know." But it was really interesting to go through my own journey where Christ came out and reached out to me, and that was the first time I ever ever understood the concept of grace. Because in our culture, grace is like, what? what is grace? Yeah. Grace doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like we initially talked about, it's either mm -hmm. you do it or you don't. If you don't do it, you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. So there's no second chances. There's yeah. no... Um, your parents barely even showed you grace. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe there were poor examples of it. My parents uh, uh, especially. Um, but my parents were still trying to understand what it meant to be Indian and also mm -hmm. show grace. Mm -hmm. So they did their best. Sure. But sure. even in that best, it just mm -hmm. felt awkward because mm -hmm. you had to be perfect. You know, you had to be a perfect as a Christian, you know, son mm -hmm. of, a, uh, of a pastor, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so like I was saying, so my, my, my journey through college, um, battling my own mentality and Christianity, um, I had a really, really bad car accident. Um, where I was making a left turn at a stoplight and then the light turned green so I was making the left turn and somebody ran the red light going 70 oh miles an hour. Oh my goodness. They were coming on my driver's side so if they if they would have hit anywhere on the driver's side door I think I would have died. But they hit the back um, behind the back tire 
So they pretty much just spun my car yeah. multiple times to the oh, intersection. That's so scary, yeah. and, and at that moment, I was like, as I was driving home, I was just like, I'm done with total Christianity. I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to mm-hmm. do it. I'm not going to feel bad for all the vices uh, mm-hmm. I do on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Um, I'm done. Right? <laughs> I go <laughs> and I get hit by this car, and I'm like, I, I, I step out of the car after the accident happens. I'm hysterical. I'm like oh. laughing. Oh, I'm you're like, laughing. Yeah, because I was like, uh, yeah. how am I still alive? First of all, second of all, this, this can't, this can't happen at the same time. It's, it, mm-hmm. the coincidence was just mind blowing. So I was just like. I had a big smile on my face, and everyone's like, are you okay, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay, <laughs> I'm fine. Um, but obviously the cops came and I gave the other person the ticket. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But ever since then, I just slowly started to understand what grace meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of Christians use the word grace to, as a crutch yeah. to kind of behave the way they want, mm-hmm. want to behave. But I think that's the initial boost for any Christian to start their journey. Yeah. Um, so going back to uh, to what we were talking about do you believe that your biggest struggle is just not just being different I think so absolutely and I think even living here for 31 years um, you know I do feel like I don't fit in Mm -hmm. and I think it's because again um, life in Russia is a little bit different Mm -hmm. and you know how there's a saying uh when life doesn't go how you picture it to be. Mm-hmm. I can't remember verbatim, but something like that. And I think it is definitely a mindset because if my life was how I thought it's going to be in Russia, again, you know, how I grew up, how I think it was going to go, and how it is in America, it's very different. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I definitely feel that um, I don't quite fit in. Okay. So... I, you did initially talk about that things will be better, you know, when we pass away from our earthly bodies. Yeah. Do you do you sort of believe that, like Christ made it possible that we can live heaven on earth? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have you know freedom in Him. Sure. Like I, um, it took me a long time to, and I still have to keep mm-hmm. working on that that I'm accepted by God Mm -hmm. because you know when you feel like you're rejected by everyone else um, as your nationality as you know culturally you tend to think well did God reject me Mm -hmm. but I definitely have to work still work on that but I have a very close relationship with God um, and I'm trying to what was the question you asked me so my my question was uh, was oh heaven on earth yeah can you live heaven on earth yeah or do you have to do you have to wait until you pass for you to sort of have a to have less pain? I would say. That's a really good question. Yeah. That's a really good question. I. I think you know that. The answer to that. I think yes or no. I think a lot of the pain, even though it's sometimes physical, even emotional, mm-hmm. it does start in our mind. Yeah, like when we begin yeah. to entertain those, like say, "Oh, I don't belong," or, you know, I, "This person rejected me," or it it just begins, you know, like a snowball effect of then it gets you into depression or fear. So it definitely starts in your mind, mm-hmm. I think. But if we just, if I continuously keep my eyes on God and say, "You know, you accept me," and you know, meditate on Him and His Word, then 
absolutely, I think we can attain that here. The peace, I think it's more the peace, yeah. even though maybe the world and people around you are the same, but it's just the eternal, like the peace you feel inside. It doesn't matter what people think or how they look at me, even if I'm different, even if I kind of have an accent, God accepts me. Mm-hmm. I think maybe in that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so in terms of, uh, of peace, because like you mentioned earlier, everything starts in the mind, right? Yeah. What honestly benefited me was to believe that all thoughts are all lies all the time. Yeah. Is that something that like you mm-hmm. ever come mm-hmm. came across in your head? Oh yeah. Or do you believe that all thoughts are all lies? Oh yeah. And yeah. you know how Paul tells us to take every thought captive. captive to yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so easy to believe those thoughts, sure. right? Because yeah. it's like, yeah, because it kind of aligns with your feelings. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, that thought is true, but you're right it, it's a lie because yep. we can't base that our feelings on what we think is the truth mm-hmm. but yeah because mm-hmm. it does sound like yeah. us right when we're having thoughts oh, in yeah. our head it sounds yeah. like Yano or it sounds like Simon it, yeah but mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a mimicry of yeah. who we mm-hmm. what we sound like at least yeah. um but people tend to yeah. that tend to uh complicate thinking and thoughts because some people are like, oh, how can you function without thoughts? Yeah. But mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily necessarily thoughts. You have to function because you have to think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's the intellect. That's different yeah. from thoughts. The sure. thoughts come yeah. from the outside. Yeah. They come mm-hmm. from an external source. You don't know where it's coming from. Exactly. Um, and I cons- I consistently believe that they are um, they come from the evil one. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that I has just 100%. honestly helped yeah. me mm-hmm. come out of my own head. Because I used yeah. to be in my head all the time, yeah. every little yeah. thing. Like mm-hmm. if somebody says something about me or looks differently about mm-hmm. me, I'm like, uh, this person has this thought about me. And yeah. I just yeah. like, even if I don't engage with that person, mm-hmm. that just consistently exists with me through the whole day. Mm-hmm. Makes my day miserable. Yeah. yeah. Makes my relationship with my friends or my spouse or significant mm-hmm. other miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you believe is the solution to holding your thoughts captive? So what I do, I, I do exactly that. I take them captive, yep. and I have a place of a scripture. Even okay. if, um, let's say it's a thought on fear or something, I will just replace it with my scripture. If there's a thought, oh, God abandoned you. Like you said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. So I will continuously replace it with scripture. Uh, if those lies really try to get in, I'm like, nope, I, I just don't accept them. I don't accept them. Even if almost everything in me feel if that that feeling arises no that could be true like no it's contrary to what god says in his word so that's what i do that's how i fight my battles mm-hmm. i replace it with the truth and when it gets overwhelming i just i cry out for help sure. you know, god help me and my favorite passage you know in isaiah he says um fear not for i'm with you do be not dismayed for i'm your god i will strengthen you yes i will help you so it's in his word so I will just, you know, I will cry out to him, help, and, you know, and I will feel the peace, and just all the scripture just comes to my mind, and that's what I'll begin to quote. And mm-hmm. that's what, yeah, it's just meditating on his word. It's not, I don't want to say 100% I'm good at it, but I definitely, I further today than I was yesterday, you know, I'm continuously so working on that. So basically just building, mm-hmm. building yes. up to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe uh, people can overcome, for example, overcome anger or overcome um, hatred, resentment, unforgiveness? Do you think people can overcome that or do they have to like 
kind of waddle their way through where they go and re- they do something bad and they repent, do something mm-hmm. bad and they repent. Do you think somebody can, a, a human being or a Christian can completely overcome that? Absolutely. So they can overcome they it? absolutely can overcome it. Okay. I think a lot of those things stems from the wounds. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times anger comes from, I think, not being heard when you were little and not having that voice. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the anger comes out when we're adults and sometimes you feel like I don't even know why I'm angry mm-hmm. I feel like you know that memory or when you were a child not being heard you're like I just want to be heard you know and so people can definitely definitely overcome and I think emotions themselves are not wrong it's like what we do with those emotions you know I take everything before the Lord even if I'm like let's say angry and I'll say Lord I feel angry this is what's happening help me I take every emotion to him and I know sometimes you know my um, loved ones will say you can talk to God like that. I'm like, well, He already knows. Yeah. You know, take it before Him. Tell Him, you know, I'm angry. I'm angry because this person or at this situation, and just let Him know. So yeah, emotion itself are not wrong, but what do we do with them? You know, mm-hmm. do we lash out on other people? Do we put a person down, or do we take it before the Lord? Because we we all you know have mm-hmm. anger or resentment that wants to rise up in our heart. But what do we do with that? We can definitely overcome, mm-hmm. but. It definitely takes time, mm-hmm. just like you know, exercising or losing mm-hmm. weight mm-hmm. or studying another language. Sure. Yeah. And it's just that repetition, you know, that repetition. Okay, today I did better than yesterday, and okay, today maybe I took one step back, but that's okay. I'm I still keep going because that's one thing the Lord, you know, tells us: just keep going, even if you fall down. You know, the Scripture says, uh, "Right, a righteous man falls down seven times and he gets up again." It's okay. You know, get up, just keep going. I, I do believe that we, we can overcome this. Mm-hmm. And as long as we take it before the Lord and say, here, I have these, help me, you know, help me with this anger. Why is it there? Is it because my voice was not heard when I was little? Do you ever feel like your anger can be justified? I think so. I think maybe depending on the situation. Okay. But, I, you know, even seeing people that do lash out or some people, even in our society, the way that they act, I think it all stems from some kind of trauma. Okay. Not being accepted, not being loved, not being heard. And you know, the biggest, I think, the, the biggest figure in our life that we look up to when we're little is our dads. Absolutely. And if our dad, and we know, we know they're human, but if they, in a way, let us down in any way, that begins to reflect. And a lot of times when people are angry, maybe it's because their father did not hear them. Um, you know, like, I want to say so much to my dad, for example, and he would not listen to me. He would put me down or, you know, uh, in our society, children had no voice. Even though you had a voice, you wanted to express, but it's like, nope, keep quiet. Um, the adults are doing whatever. Exactly. Don't, don't, don't interject. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think people lash out because of that, that anger, um, things that people do, even in our society, you know, it all stems from rejection, probably abandonment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they are they are acting out on those. Yep. And see, I think, I think for us as humans, sometimes it's hard to justify. I think with God, is you know He looks at our hearts. He sometimes understands why people act the way that they do. We might not know that this person right there acting in anger because you know his father beat him or his father didn't something. But God looks at all of that. Now I'm not saying that it justifies that guy to beat somebody up, but. It kind of makes sense why he did it. Mm-hmm. Not that it's, you know, not saying the society, it's not excusable to beat somebody up, but yeah, um, God looks at all of that. 
he weighs the motivation in people's hearts. Like, why did you do what you did? Mm-hmm. And I think that's when grace comes in. Okay. So, I know you said your parents um, were divorced initially. Yeah. And how old were you when that happened? Um, let's see. I think I was, I think I was six or seven. Okay. Because my stepdad, um, he took me to first grade. Mm-hmm. So that was in 86. Yeah, so I was probably like six and a half, okay. six years old, yeah. And mm-hmm. was it common for people in Azerbaijan to get divorced? Yeah. It was? It was common. Because they got married. My mom got married at 17. She okay. was engaged at 15. Sure, I, I know the, I know the yeah. culture of uh, early marriage there, but I, I, mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that uh, divorce is a, is a common, common thing because it's I know common, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Asian culture does not necessarily yeah. allow for divorce, but... It was... Was it kind of later in the century, I, right? You know, I shouldn't say... Well, it, it is common, but in my mom's situation, she, she, she was looked down at from my dad's family. Okay. But <clears throat> for different reasons, like mm-hmm. they call their names and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But divorce and adultery was very common in the okay. Soviet Union. Very, very common. Not that it was yeah. accepted, but everybody did it. Is it because, like, the religion was kind of... Do you think because of reli- like religion being almost abolished there, do you think people are kind of just like, let's just go with it, with whatever you want to do? Okay. Absolutely. It was, yeah, no religion, just you, you know. Mm-hmm. And after the divorce and your stepdad came, stepdad came into the picture, did you still have contact with your, with your father? I had contact with my dad. Um, before the whole war started, my grandma committed suicide, my okay. dad's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, she, yeah, she, there's all these speculations. I think they're saying she died, she did this because her sister was diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. but she struggled with, um, we don't know for sure, but some kind of depression. I think it was hard for her, the divorce as well, because uh, we all lived together in, in Russia. You know, my mom, my dad, my uh, my aunt, my uncle, us, yeah, it's my grandpa. Like a big nuclear family, yeah. And all of a sudden, that was kind of, you know, torn apart. And um, so, yeah, she committed suicide. And um, we kept in touch with my dad. But honestly, my relationship with my dad has never been the same okay. after the divorce. Mm-hmm. Even him coming to America. Oh, so he did come to America? Yep, he oh, came to America. Okay. Uh, my mom, when she was filling out visa, she had mm-hmm. to put my dad's name as our okay. dad. And so he was able to go to American Embassy. Sure, and use that name to yeah to come to America, yeah. saying these are my kids. I want to be with them, you know. But my dad also remarried back in Russia and had another daughter. Okay. And um, <clears throat> so he came here with you know with his wife and my stepsister. But my relationship with my dad always been strained, and I tried. I I tried. Um, he just very hurt, I think, by what happened many many years ago and he has very still those Armenian roots Mm -hmm. like the way how he wants things to be and it's so different from how American culture and so yeah the relationship is kind of strained even though I tried you know um, I tried with him I try to give him lots of grace lots of grace and understanding but Um, is he is he alive Um, no because he's in Grand Rapids he's in Grand Rapids yep interesting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so, like, do you still talk to him? Occasionally. Occasionally. Occasionally, like yeah. on birthdays or celebrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when it when it came to him, did did you did he f- 
Did you feel like he left you or he left your mother? He left me. He left me, okay. Mm-hmm. And I know that's pretty pretty common with, um, with a lot of people. I mean, I have mm-hmm. so many friends that parents are divorced. Yeah. My wife has yeah. a pretty <laughs> tough yeah. story with that. Yeah. So as much as it is a awful situation, it's a pretty mm-hmm. common theme mm-hmm. that goes around. Um, but do, we, do you believe that, that to be true, that he left you, not your mother? That's hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have to be honest. I, I do struggle. Like, he rejected mm-hmm. and abandoned us. Okay. He, he so, like, an overall family. Overall okay. family. Yeah. He never, I don't think, fought for us how he could have. Sure. Um, and, you know, even being in America, mm-hmm. you know, even now when he has this opportunity that we are so much older now to really make it work, and he is still so much hurt by, you know, what happened years and years ago when him and my mom got divorced. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I even told him, I said, you know, dad, there's, m- my sister and I, my older sister and I had nothing to do with that. We just wanted our parents. You know, we should never have been in the middle of any of that. We should have been loved and accepted as kids and never used as, you know, pawns, kind of like, um, at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I, I definitely felt like the rejection was was on you as well and my sister um, because I feel like he never really tried you know my sister and I my older sister and I gave him many chances and opportunity to let's have a relationship you know but I don't feel like he ever met us halfway Mm -hmm. just kind of make it work Um, you know it's kind of like mentality all or nothing but we can't do that we can't just not you know speak to my mom or my stepdad it's not fair let's just meet halfway mm-hmm. but that mentality all or nothing is just we couldn't make it work so yeah yeah and as tough as a situation that is i feel like and everybody goes through a situation in their family even with two family households yeah. where like the father does not have does not hold a a specific role that was assigned to him yeah. and that kind of cascades into kids behaving the way they behave because like a lot of people say mm-hmm. hey obviously like when people when people don't have um fathers in the household you know obviously there's discipline issues there's crime yeah. issues that come up but even yeah. with yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids that do have both mm-hmm. parents there is still a lack of an authority figure yeah. you know somebody that commands discipline from you mm-hmm. somebody that expects you to overcome situations yeah. um, so in that light I know men have men have almost become like a bad taste in your mouth would you say that um, that's a good question yeah I think it used to be mm-hmm. that way until but, um, like, but why wouldn't it be right yeah yeah, yeah. I think it used to be that way. Mm-hmm. I know that God did a lot of healing in my heart, mm-hmm. um, even trying to patch the relationship between my, my dad and me. Uh, I think it used to be that way. Okay. Not so much now. Mm-hmm. What changed? I think God changed me. So God he changed, changed heart. your heart about mm-hmm. men? Yeah. Or did you see an example of a man that's like, okay, at least there are a few good men out there? Yeah. You know, what God began to do in me, he... He begins to show me, you know, why people act the way that they do. Interesting. It's okay. like, 
what leads people to do what they do. Mm -hmm. So when I look at a person, I don't necessarily look at their actions. I'm able, whether it's that discernment or God is showing mm -hmm. me, what drives a person to act this way. Mm -hmm. So i able to give a lot of grace and understanding. Not that, you know, I'm not human, so I'm saying get upset, but this is what he begins, you know, to do in me also is to show me what's driving, you know, that behavior or why people act the way that they do. And mm -hmm. what do you think makes people behave that? Do you think it's a personal choice or if there's something driving them? I think both. Both? Okay. I, I definitely think it's the wounds. Like okay. Even with my dad, I, I, I believe it's the wounds of how his dad treated him. He was yeah. rejected by his dad. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like snowballed into that. Um, I think everybody has a choice. You know how God gives us a choice. We can stand in that mentality of a victim mentality mm -hmm. and be like, you know, because my, you know, my dad rejected me, so I'm just going to act that way. Or, you know, kind of stop and say, you know what, I, I don't want to do that. I'm going to be different. I, I'm going to have a different mentality. I think it, it is a choice as well. Okay. But I think it's harder on people to make that choice because mm -hmm. I think being in that victim mentality is so much easier, right? And we all kind of tend to be victim mentality. Oh, poor as me. You know, I had a bad childhood. I had a traumatic childhood. This is what happened, so I'm going to hate the world. Or I'm going to pick on this person because I'm having a bad day. So. I think we might differ on the concept of choice. choice. Um, because I certainly believe that once you're influenced by a certain truth, right? Yeah. Um, for example, when you're when your mother or when you heard the influence of Christ yeah. in your life, yeah. it resonated with something that was already within you. That's yeah. why it sticked. Okay. Right? Because we yeah. all have a piece of the yeah. Heavenly Father within us. Um, if if mm -hmm. that wasn't the case, then like the Bible wouldn't make any sense. Sure, sure. Anything that Christian says yeah. through the Holy Spirit that wouldn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just an awareness of where we came from and who we were, sure. yeah. whose image we're made in. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so if somebody is influenced by the truth, mm -hmm. I personally believe that they would act automatically. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think if somebody is influenced by the truth and they have the ears to hear it, yeah. that they will reject it. Sure. That's just the way I believe. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. But some people believe that, like some people choose it, some people reject it. Um, yeah. But what I believe is that when somebody when somebody rejects it, it's more of the fact that like there's so much in their head about so much in their head, and then they're being influenced by an alternative alternative oh. spirit mm -hmm. to the point where like they can't necessarily see the truth. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, well, anybody that eventually mm -hmm. does see the truth, mm -hmm. they eventually will follow. That makes sense, Paul. Yeah. Um, he was blinded to it until Christ shows up. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's. Sometimes we, sure. I used to get stuck yeah. in the in the mindset of like choice, right? Mm -hmm. I can choose God, I cannot choose God, I mm -hmm. can choose this, choose it. So that just made me made it difficult because sure. sometimes when I was in my vices as mm -hmm. a Christian, I'd be like, oh man, am I really a Christian? Mm -hmm. I'm choosing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But it was more of an aspect that like now that I'm influenced influenced by the truth, mm -hmm. I know anything that even if I do make any mistakes. I know he's eventually taking that away from mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, as long as I put my, inf as long as I'm constantly being influenced by God, yeah. I'm going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right, um, and that's why I believe, like, when somebody, like, 
as a man, you know, it could be Alex's father or your father, you know, the things that they did, do you believe that it is them or what, do you, or do you believe that is it something that's controlling them? Oh, yeah, it could be definitely because, mm -hmm. you know, Paul Del tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, absolutely. but against principalities, powers. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely they're wrestling against something that could be influencing them. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> like, for example, if somebody, and we know Satan lying to people mm -hmm. and putting thoughts in, you know, even actions to act on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that could be. I do believe that. Okay. I, <clears throat> and I've seen that. I, you know, I was part of uh, Interhealing Deliverance Ministry where we brought people through deliverance. Okay. And we've seen things come out of them. So what was know? that like? That was um, very, you know, intense. Mm -hmm. Meaning to see that was eye-opening. Eye-opening to what, you know, a lot of, I would want to say mainstream churches don't do sure. and don't talk about you know it's like the churches don't want to talk about demons and insane they don't want to talk about what does influence people they just want to kind of sweep everything under the gar uh, rug you mm -hmm. know that was eye-opening that there there is a battle there there is you know the battle between you know the good and evil and um, there is generational things in people's bloodline that can it can influence um, how what path a person you go to and you know that the biggest thing about deliverance was reconciling the person every part of the person that Satan's holding on to whether it's mind or piece of heart back to our Heavenly Father because you know whatever Satan is holding on to he has the legal right so that was basically reconciling you know them back to Heavenly Father you know casting those things out of people and yeah that's um, a lot of people, a lot of churches are against that. It was very much underground because mm -hmm. uh, churches, they don't want to talk about that. They don't believe that, you know, um, there's demons, like a person can struggle you with You said demons. churches don't believe that? Oh, yeah. With deliverance, churches don't practice deliverances. Mm -hmm. But But you're saying that, like, they still believe in the fact that Christ was able to do it, but it doesn't exist anymore? They don't believe, so their thing is they don't believe that a Christian can have a demon. The thing is, okay. it's not that a Christian, your spirit is possessed, because your yep. spirit is sealed. It's your mind, will, and emotions mm -hmm. in your body. Mm -hmm. So if our mind is still subjected to sin, you know, Satan can get a hold of our mind. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if it's like fear, well, God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's a generational spirit. So that spirit can be cast out and so it takes off that chains of what's in your mind let's say fear has such a grip on you and by deliverance it basically takes those chains off and now it's easier for it to fight mm -hmm. so if it's you know anger sometimes you know we've seen all types of things you know even um, even people's sexuality mm -hmm. you know it, it could be something generational something who knows uh, a lot of witchcraft things mm -hmm. We've dealt with so many things. You know, so I'm many glad things. you said that fear is a spirit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because some people don't tend to think of it that way. Yeah. Um, because, like, you can still overcome fear mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. even scripture says Christ's love. Um, yeah. What does it say? 
it's a drive yes. perf- yeah perfect yeah, line drives off here yeah. mm-hmm. um and as much as people are so about the Bible and mm-hmm. Bible thumping, you know, mm-hmm. they just kind of understand that simple concept of perfect love casts mm-hmm. out fear. Mm-hmm. That you can at- you can also attain perfect love, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but in order for you to attain perfect love, all those things also also vanish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not. You don't have to get rid of your anger, your jealousy, mm-hmm. your fits of any of those things. It's like. If perfect love reaches you, those things will dissolve yeah. eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so going back to the uh, uh, to the concept of um, maybe we're talking about uh, fathers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you think do you think forgiveness plays a role in anything? Absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, how did that play a role in your life? Uh, when I met. Um, when I met one, uh, she used to be one, one of my closest friends mm-hmm. um, until God call, called me on a different path. But I remember meeting her, and um, she gave me a teaching on forgiveness. And I was a Christian. And when I say Christian, uh, at one point I kind of I did rebel mm-hmm. before you know God really called me back to Him. Mm-hmm. And I remember she was telling me about forgiveness on Matthew 18. And she told me, she said, you know, you, you're carrying a lot of unforgiveness. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, because usually, yeah. you know, like when you're in a church and you sing like, yeah, I forgive, I forgive. And she brought me through forgiveness, you know, really naming a person. Uh, remember the first person that I had to forgive. I won't mention it. But uh, and I just remember as, you know, I'm forgiving and telling, you know, the Lord, the everything in my heart this person did. I remember just I felt so much heaviness like in my hands like and I remember her telling me this is what you're carrying around and once I released it to God and just like I forgive this person I just felt such freedom Mm -hmm. and from that point on you know it's been almost seven and a half years Mm -hmm. I forgive almost daily yep even like when I'm driving somewhere you cut me off I forgive you (laughs) yeah I mean because like once you forgive you cannot yeah hold any kind of unforgiveness in your heart that's what I personally believe Mm -hmm. Um, because for me, any kind of, I think just for anybody in general, the first type, the first people to disappoint you are your parents, right? In any form of way. My parents Mm -hmm. disappointed me. If there's any, if there was a place that I learned how to hold resentment, it was home. Yeah. Right. And it took me a while to learn how or where I was, where the roots were in terms of unforgiveness and why I was acting out, why I was doing the things I was doing. So Mm -hmm. it led me to the understanding that I had to forgive my parents mm-hmm. right so when I did forgive them I told them especially especially uh, my mother um, she I mean she mo- took more of the disciplinarian role yeah. you know mm-hmm. but I personally believe that like it's the father that does the discipline and you know mm-hmm. it's in him that yes. that has the commanding mm-hmm. ability to you know, discipline the mm-hmm. children um, but she took that role, you know, because her mother did that to her. So, and because her dad was, uh, you know, was military, busy, blah, blah. Um, so she felt the need to discipline, you know, and told my dad to, like, you don't have to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. You can be in the background. I'll discipline the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, didn't necessarily seem right because from a man's voice, if you just tell a kid, like, hey, stop that, yeah, you know, and yeah, then yeah. the kid's like, oh. But then, like, if a yeah. lady just 
says it, mm-hmm. kids usually have, like ignore it, and mm-hmm. they get to the point where like the kid mother, like the woman has to like yell and scream, mm-hmm. and get out of her element mm-hmm. to get that kid to do something, yeah. and that just that's a form of trauma that <laughs> like people in general just experience. Mm-hmm. So I had to forgive her, you know, um, as much as I believe that she's still battling with that on her own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just our role to forgive. Yeah. It's not our mm-hmm. job to f- make sure they understand it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, you don't have to get a response mm-hmm. from them. You don't expect them to change. You yeah. just have to forgive and let yeah, go, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. So when I did that, I said, "Hey, mom, like, I know you couldn't help yourself, but if you could, you would have done better." Mm-hmm. Um, but I forgive you for the things you did, and I'm sorry for holding resentment against you. Mm-hmm. So when I did that, like, my life totally changed. Mm-hmm. It went from like I had no anger towards anybody. I was able to constantly forgive everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, little by little, I knew that yeah. God would take away the vices that I was that I was still holding on to, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I believe you can't you can't you can't stop yourself from doing the vices that you do. Yeah. Only He can take away the appetite mm-hmm. for wanting to do those things. Mm-hmm. And ever since I was able to forgive, like things. I was able to see the light better, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because the anger and resentment was kind of blinding me. Sure. So it's like yeah. a veil. You just kind of like <laughs> put it over your head, mm-hmm. and you can kind of have that relationship with Christ once yeah. and for all. Um, and that just made my life uh, better. Um, freeing. Yeah, freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you... Like, were you able to, I know this might be a tough question, but like, was that something that you were able to do with your with your family, with your parents? Definitely. And what was that experience like? Um, it was freeing. Yeah. It was definitely freeing. Uh, with my, you know, I think with my mom, like for example, mm-hmm. uh, even my stepdad, that, that was easier. Yep. With my real dad, and I forgave him. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him, I think it's layers as well, because if like memories still come up, mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes memories will come up from childhood. I will continuously forget. Like, okay, okay. I, I forget my family. Mm-hmm. I forget my family memory. Yeah. yeah, I think some things are like with my mom. Let's say, for example, my family or even my ex-husband. I mean, years later, it was so much easier to forgive mm-hmm. versus certain people that I feel like still the layers. Sure. Even the memories come up. Uh, but yeah, continuously just giving them forgiveness. And you're right. You know, forgiveness is freeing for us. Right, forgiveness is for us, releasing us from that, mm-hmm. like you said. Bondage. Exactly. And we can't change another person, mm-hmm. and it, God can change them. But I think it's definitely easier sometimes to forgive some people. Uh, but with some people, if there's too much history or it goes deeper, there's too many memories. I think it's just like in layers. Mm-hmm. So if like memories come up, I definitely have to just keep keep giving to the Lord and forgive them for that memory. Or, And it's just so so amazing sometimes because there's so many memories that will just come up and of people in my you know years ago that let's say hurt me or said something to me and they will come up and i'll forgive them mm-hmm. you know it's like okay well i'll just forgive them you yeah. know, they hurt me mm-hmm. and it is freeing mm-hmm. um you know wa- walking in forgiveness i think have has helped me to have a closer relationship with the lord as well like you said to see that light to be free mm-hmm. that's why i continuously forgive even if it hurts you know mm-hmm. even Let's say if my dad or something he does, it hurts my heart. And I will say, yes, it hurts, but I'm going to forgive you. you know, it might take me three or four times a day to like, right, no, I just forgive you. But, yeah. 
<laughs> definitely still walking in that forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. And do you, I mean, I believe that anybody that does uh, believe who has been born of the Father does mm-hmm. have perfect peace. Yeah. Um, would you say you have perfect peace? I do. Yep. Unless I let the lies come in. Sure. Yeah. If, if the enemy can get hold of, you know, mm-hmm. some that, um, still things I wrestle with, mm-hmm. like the rejection sometimes, the abandonment, yeah. if he can get hold of those, I have to fight through it. But it's not necessarily mm-hmm. defeating you in any way, right? It's just, it just comes through and then it just goes yes. away, right? Yeah. Not um, no. But, but it's, yes. but you're in an element where perfect peace is consistent. Mm-hmm. That's why you kind of see what you have. That's why you see the lies, right? Yes. And, mm-hmm. but a lot of Christians say that you cannot attain perfect peace. Like, what do you say to those people? I think, you know, I think a lot of people generally tend to look at, you know, even the journey with God as he owes something to me. Like, he needs to just fix me. And the thing is, it's, it's a relationship. It's a journey. It's mm-hmm. like God says, you know, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. So it's something that they have to work on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, looking at somebody, well, why can't they ob- obtain peace? Wh- you know, one, one thing I will, and I minister to people, you know, I will ask them, okay, what is your mindset? What is going through your mind? Of course, we go right away to, for, you know, forgiveness, but where is your mind? If your mind is in constant chaos or in fear or along those intrusive thoughts, along the enemy to give you thoughts, you're not going to be in peace, you know? So it's looking at those things, but sometimes, you know, Christians or people tend to think, you know, God just needs to come in and take it all away. And let's say, yes, he can, but do you honestly think the enemy is going to stop hitting people on their Achilles heel? Mm-hmm. Let's say if a person is really struggling with fear, do you think the enemy is just going to be like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to bother you in fear anymore. It worked mm-hmm. for 50 years, but now I'm going to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. He's constantly going to do that because his goal is to cause, you know, um, division between you and, and God. Mm-hmm. So it's something they have to practice. Even Paul tells us, right? You know, pull, put the whole armor of God mm-hmm. on so you can stand the rules of the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's something we also have to put effort into it as we're, you know, working with God, you know, taking those thoughts captive, forgiving, reading the word of God, meditating, you know, loving on people, whatever we have to do. But it's meeting him halfway, mm-hmm. you know, or drawing close to him and not just like, okay, God, take everything away. You owe me just... You know, uh, some people tend to think so. Yeah, um, and I believe a lot of people. This is where this is where things differ uh, between me and different people. Sure. Um, it's that when people pray, mm-hmm. people use words to pray. Yeah. You know, but I the way I've been doing it is to just listen. Mm-hmm. You know, because anything that needs a request, mm-hmm. it's automatically being talk to through the spirit you know mm-hmm. if that conversation is already happening mm-hmm. anything that you're yearning for anything that you desire anything yeah. that you want physically mm-hmm. it's almost like that communication is automatically going on mm-hmm. but people tend to or i i used to do this i used to just you know wake up in the morning god help me you know bless mm-hmm. my mother bless my dad bless yeah. my give me food <laughs> or yeah. give me get a good grade or whatnot mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i don't think that's wrong but i just i think that people are missing the point about prayer you know sure. is yeah. because mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. you're expected to lo- to me prayer is listening mm-hmm. right because it says he who has ears let them hear mm-hmm. um if you're not listening um within 
then you're automatically missing what Christ has to offer you. I know people, mm-hmm. you know, compliment that with reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. But even that does not, wouldn't get you far if you're not directly listening to him. You know, because mm-hmm. if you read the Bible mm-hmm. and try to understand it intellectually, Satan's right there with you. You know, (laughs) he's like using the same scriptures to manipulate you, Mm -hmm. using the same scriptures to interpret things for you. But I, if if I do read scripture, I read it and put it away, and I just go about my day. Mm -hmm. And if God wants to interpret interpret things to me in the in the uh, through the day through events, He'll Mm -hmm. just enlighten that scripture for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the word of God comes from Him directly in our hearts, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think listening through prayer because if you stop praying like you said your armors will show slowly fall off your body like the arrows will start hitting you um would you would you agree with me on that or is that do you have yeah, a different sure. view on yeah um like for example and i know everybody has a different relationship sure. with god mm-hmm. how you know um he he loves however we come to him right he loves that my prayer life i would say i i talk to god like I, I talk to you, mm-hmm. you know. My favorite place to talk to him is my home, mm-hmm. my car when I'm driving. I'm I'm continuously talking to him, and I think the way that I bring my prayers or concerns, and I know he knows already, mm-hmm. is it's just talking to him, just yeah. like that, you know, Father, uh, this is what's going on, and just talking to him before work, anywhere I go. Uh, when it's praying for somebody, it's different than I, you know, going to prayer, you know, really praying for them, whether it's their pain mm-hmm. or anything like that. And definitely listen. I definitely, you know, after certain my conversations with him, my heartfelt conversations, I will sit there as he begins to, you know, speak to me, mm-hmm. and, I will, and I will, I will write things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and since a little girl, since I asked God into my heart, I, I've been able to hear him. Um, I never knew that it was, you know, um, I just thought it was normal, like everybody gets to hear Jesus. But it's something that's familiar to me since I was 12 years old that God will speak back to me and that this is how this is how it happens you know I will pray and sometimes he's silent sometimes I don't hear anything sometimes it's the scripture mm-hmm. sometimes it's a song sometimes he tells me you know he just encourages me especially um, something if I'm going through something really really hard mm-hmm. he will encourage me mm-hmm. and it could be scripture I will hear scripture him giving me that scripture or he'll he'll speak some things that very you know intimate to my heart with him but definitely, I will sit there quiet and listen. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, Lord, what what would you want me to take away from this situation or what's happening? So definitely, you know, just to be still mm-hmm. and hear that you know voice. And I know He talks to us differently. I know some people see uh, or hear a scripture or they see a sign or you know a song comes up. You know, they're crying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, I, th- I believe the hardest thing for human beings to do nowadays is sit still. <laughs> like yes. Satan mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. has found the best way to mm-hmm. more creative ways of distracting us from from being ignorant. I would say. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. the biggest um, division between us and God is ignorance, right? Yeah. Just not knowing where we came from. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. that to me is just fascinating. Um, yeah. But I would love to ask you more questions about about yeah. politics or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's just take a quick break. If you want to go sure, to the bathroom, sure, or whatever, sure, sure. Um, you can do that. What did you? What was the ini- What were the initial symptoms you noticed? Um, In America, yeah, it's definitely the censorship. 
when the deaths start happening, that's where really the red flags start coming, okay. like, like what's going on. Um, that definitely was the biggest red flag. Mm-hmm. And then when they were trying to divide us, you know, based more so, I think they always used in politics, every time there was, you know, an election, of course, you know, it was always Republicans, Democrats. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always some kind of racism, but it just seemed this time they were really, really hitting on, you know, the racism and they were hitting on even immigration, right? So it's like when President Trump was trying to stop certain, mm-hmm. you know, people coming to America mm-hmm. from certain countries and the outrage, just a lot of the things, we begin to see that they were trying to really divide people, mm-hmm. to put them in two categories, right? And that way, if they divide us, just like before Soviet Union formed, they can have one group of people go after another, mm-hmm. and that's what kind of makes the whole society collapse. And then censorship began, and it's kind of like, oh my goodness, we're just like, we're really heading in that direction. Yep. And then COVID started. And when they when the COVID started, and they began to, you know, well, they implemented the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I remember when COVID started, they did the lockdown. And I, and I told my friends and family, I said, watch. You're not going to let it go. You're not going to let it go. <laughs> yeah. and, and they did because they just felt the power. Sure. Like, well, we can do this. And so that was another red flag. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling certain people, and I think even on Facebook at that time I had Twitter, I would tell people, this is how they gain control. Mm-hmm. They just need something, something, one thing. And they will gain control. Nobody listened, of course. And, and and usually, you know, they will use something when people are like, "How could you say this is how they gain control? It's a pandemic." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, how do you think they gain control? Yeah, you know, yeah. how do you think mm-hmm. they're going to brainwash people?" So all of that put together was huge red flags. Mm-hmm. And then censorship just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then the election happened, and we know what happened with mm-hmm. that. We just knew it's a mess. It's it's a complete mess. Yeah. And the sad thing is they turned people, you know, against one another. So our focus was on, you know, Republicans against Democrats, Democrats against Republican, you know, and the government's in the background saying, we just got away with everything. Yep. Instead of our focus being, you know, no, who is really, you know, behind all of that? So seeing America go in that direction was very hard and still hard. Uh, what was hard in the beginning? I think more people are waking up to it. I, I won't say everybody, but more people mm-hmm. is they didn't want to hear it. Yep. You know, yep. they don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know what you're talking about, and it's kind of like, what do you mean I don't know what I'm talking about? I I, I I lived through this, you know, and I think you know the hardest thing for me, Simon, is the younger generation. So I would say younger, like you know, uh, the twenties, early thirties, who never lived in Poverty, oh, poverty. I'm talking more like you know under socialism, Real poverty. Yep. <laughs> under communism, you know, advocating for it. Sure. You know, and they think that it's great, yep. and they're advocating. And here, you know, we are who live through that hell, right? Saying no, 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 no. You don't want that. It's turning on you, and it's like, but you don't. You have no idea. You never lived through. How can you advocate for something you never experienced? You have no idea what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing. It's like, how could you advocate for it? You grew up in the greatest country in the world. We would have literally sold our left arm mm-hmm. when we were in Moscow to come sure. here. Yeah. Even the poorest person living in America was greater than we were you yep. know, living there. Mm-hmm. So they grew up in the greatest country in the world, and they're crying for communism yep. and socialism. And you're just like, it's just so backwards. But do you think it's masked uh, by compassion? 
because that's the first thing that even Soviet Union did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. what uh, Yuri Bezmenov said in, in his lectures was that people uh, people use poverty as, a, as as one reason where like you know let let the government take care of you, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then they from what I heard is that they use the whole LGBTQ thing. You know, in the beginning, you know, they used that as a crutch, and once they um, got what they wanted, they apparently they just, they killed mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. lot of people. And I believe now it's it's super anti LGBTQ in Russia. In Russia, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. very anti LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and I think it's masks masked by compassion, mm-hmm. uh, and then once that once they get to what they want to, yeah. they kind of like mm-hmm. becomes like concentration camp. But I think that's the phase that America is going into right mm-hmm. now because America, mm-hmm. even even though the kids are kind of blind nowadays, they think what compassion is is just giving people free stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. or not calling somebody by a certain name, or yeah. using the right pronouns, or using this, or using that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything gets structured and when everything gets uh, when your freedom of speech is kind of taken away, yeah. people can people can put forward the agenda that they want to put put out. Right. Exactly. Um, and kids exactly. are like, let's go. Exactly. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's give um, everybody everything. Let's mm-hmm. let, let, mm-hmm. let the government take care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so we can be better and you know, uh, equal. Oh, what do they call that? They they um, guaranteed guaranteed income. You know, have oh, you heard of that yeah, concept? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, they started mm-hmm. doing that in California. Um, yeah, I think I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So people want that because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, now everybody will be equal, you know. Mm-hmm. But when they do it in, in sort of like a good way of like, hey, let's be, let's make everybody equal. Exactly. But that's when they'll literally make everybody equal. Exactly. Flatten them out. Exactly. <laughs> and then there'll be like one guy from the top telling how to act everybody. That's absolutely how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he was talking about the ve- co- mm-hmm. crisis in Venezuela, um, and mm-hmm. he was saying that how, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody's equal. Yeah. You know, everybody has an equal opportunity to starve. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> what he said, and I was yeah. like, dang, that's crazy. That's so I think that's that's mm-hmm. that's the we have just touched the the top of the iceberg yeah. right now, yeah. and yeah. how long do you think it it's gonna take until? people i mean because there's no i've never at least i've never read in history where people have fought off communism in the initial stages at least in my opinion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe i lied because i know india was a failed socialist state so they Mm might have they tried socialism but Mm -hmm. socialism but it didn't work out Mm -hmm. so they kind of stopped it um but i don't know i've never read in history where communism or socialism started and um, it it kind of got dismantled, so, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're going. Is there a path out? Do you believe there's a path out through communi- uh, from communism? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. since we're going heading in that direction, yeah. mm-hmm. I I have never seen any proof where people have been able to fight against it or push mm-hmm. back against it. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, and they take away your freedom. Yep. You know, um, the biggest thing also, like particularly in Russia. What they did turn, you know, the working class against the elite, yep. which was the Tsar, mm-hmm. by telling them, you, you know, you're starving and they're eating so well. Yeah. But the people had no way. Well, when they attacked, you know, they killed many mm-hmm. uh, the wealthy. But when the communists came into play, 
people have no way to defend them. Mm-hmm. So this is why we kept saying, do not give your uh, away your Second Amendment. <coughs> yep. Excuse me, mm-hmm. because there's no way to fight back. Yep. I think what's keeping America really going into that communism state is because we are allowed to have weapons. Yep. Because if you look at Australia, I was going to say that. Yeah, they're taking over Australia now. And the reason that nobody can fight uh, in Russia against communism, there was we had nothing to fight with. Yeah, there was no money. Mm-hmm. There was no weapons. Uh, people were a lot of sick people because mm-hmm. we didn't have great health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the only reason USSR fell apart, I what we think has happened. I I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but Americans they paid Gorbachev or something, Gorbachev, yep. something about that. But when USSR fell apart, it was really bad in Russia. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. Yeltsin, we know he didn't do anything good in Russia, depending how people look at Putin. But Putin, you know, he was able, when he came in, really put a stop to a lot of, um, there was a lot of mobsters taking mm-hmm. over. So he kind of, you know, put Flat to stop. Yeah. Yep. But Russia was in disarray. I think th- what they were trying to do, uh, break it up, which they did. They broke up U- USSR because it was becoming powerful. But... I think that's the only reason. But then you look at China; they're still under communism. Yep. And there's no way to fight them yep. back. Mm-hmm. They can get out. Can't, North Korea; they can't get out of that. Mm-hmm. And did you uh, watch that podcast? Um, do you know who Yanmi Park is? Yanmi um, Park. So she's a defector from North Korea. That uh, I think so. I think I've heard of her. She was on Joe Rogan's podcast and oh, Jordan okay. Peterson's podcast, and she talked okay. a lot about. Uh, what it was like uh, living in North Korea, how um, mm-hmm. you you basically suffer because of your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like, if your grandparents did something, then your whole family line will be thrown into, like, a work camp, and all you know is just living in a work camp because of some grandfather did something. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just saying how she used to eat rats, eat locusts, because there was no protein. Yeah. Um, carcasses piled up on each other and she just told a story about how she defected from North Korea um, and went into China and through human trafficking is how she was able to she lived in for human tra- trafficking um, for I, I don't know how many years and then some missionaries from South Korea mm-hmm. came to China where they were doing some work there and she said that she had to convert into Christianity before they could take her to Korea and then from Korea she came to uh, the states not through an educational program but her st- I, I'll let you listen to if you, I'll send you that uh, link there but yes, please her do. her story was wow. pretty similar pretty crazy but she says the same thing that you and me are saying mm-hmm. you know it's propaganda don't yes, listen to it yes. <laughs> it's, yeah. but but it's like it's almost like mm-hmm. she is like she okay they say like oh she's paid by the white pe- white man to say what she wants to say yeah. like yeah, yeah. It, that's so heartbreaking it's to experience all that and mm-hmm. say hey you're just you're just you know, siding with the white yeah. man yeah. or like this and that and I'm like that we can't have our own opinion yeah that. and that yeah. always has to like mm-hmm. be a part of a, somebody else's lifestyle because yeah. yeah. we live we live that you yeah. know yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah it's it's weird. I don't even know what to say about yeah. that. <laughs> it's 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 definitely hard when you know they look at you, you can't have you can't be a Republican or a conservative because now you, you know you're racist you're or you're <laughs> white supremacist and it's like no no you you know that has nothing to do with any of that it has to do with what we believe and number one 
you know, we're we lived through communism and mm -hmm. we're seeing what's happening in America. We're trying to mm -hmm. wake you up. It has nothing to do with, you know, the white supremacy or racism. It, it, like again, it is a you know what they're they're trying to they're trying to divide the propaganda. You know, definitely because if they can make these people believe that oh we're just you know racist, then we don't have to listen to them. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard when they always you know bring the race card because. It, that has nothing to do with having an opinion, you yep. know? Because mm -hmm. I'm Armenian. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I, I don't know. What am I, I mean, I we mean? both are people of color. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes. But we still have, we sort of have a place you know, yeah. in the big propaganda machine. Oh, you mm -hmm. have a place where you should only vote this way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But if you do vote the other way, then you have some kind of agenda behind yeah. what you have to say. Yeah. That's always disturbing to me, so... Yeah. I don't know, what kind of backlash mm -hmm. have you gotten from basically having... Would you say you're a conservative? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so mm -hmm. um, for you to have a conservative viewpoint, mm -hmm. what kinds of backlash have you gotten from your folks? Or not necessarily yeah. family, but, like, any of your friends? Friends? Yeah. Uh, some people would just um, unfriend me, like, when I was on Facebook. Yeah. And, this, you know, the sad part about this all, some people were fellow Armenians who ran away with it, you mm -hmm. know? And to see them being on the side of the different side, yeah. not necessarily because, you know, we couldn't be friends because they were Democrats, but, you know, this whole thing when it started, it was hard because I'm like, well, you came from USSR as well. How could you not see this? I had people message me, you know, telling me some were Russian, telling me to stop spreading this uh, false propaganda especially when I posted on Facebook about that Pravda, mm -hmm, the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, I had people messaging me. I had people, um, even in the comment section, tell me uh, one of the girls was like, I think it was also to do with that post, like, LOL, Yana, you know, the communism is now coming to America. <laughs> and again, it was just an American from yeah. in America telling me, you know, what you're seeing is just like how funny mm -hmm. it is. And I'm like... I'm really disappointed in you. You knew my family since we came to America, mm -hmm. you know? But I was shocked. I was shocked that people, there was a backlash. I was shocked that people were not, there were some that, when you know, messaged me and said, Yana, we, we totally, you know, agree with you. But I was so shocked to see some people, you know, uh, disagreeing or, you know, laughing or one of the girls, she was Russian, uh, which we knew her too. She really was upset with me. She's like, how dare you basically spread this fear? I'm like, what do you mean? Y you grew up in Russia, you know, don't you? Th th this you is what's happening. It? And she was so angry with me. She uh, unfriended me. And, um, and then she wrote something. I can't remember what she wrote, but uh, on my page for everyone to see how I'm fear-mongering. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm just telling American people what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to wake them up because we're seeing all these red flags we ran away from that we love this country we we don't want to go back to communism you know it was hell but the backlash when i had twitter you know and just you know writing stuff on twitter it was mostly you know um, it, it wasn't people i knew but that was horrible people were calling me a liar they were just bashing me saying I'm lying that I'm an immigrant, lying that I grew up in a communist country. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, what, how can I grow? You know, it's just yeah. like, why am I lying? I, I was a, they were saying I'm a bot, I'm not real. It was, it was just impossible. That's wild. It's crazy. I had to leave because it, it, they make it so, like, horrible yeah. for you to voice your opinion mm -hmm. that... I'm they like, called you a bot? 
Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. They they reported me as a bot. Um, Wild. Yeah, and when I will answer, you know, sometimes they'll say something and I'll answer. Oh, it was, it was pretty nasty. People's responses. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, when you were, how did, how did you take the responses? It was hard. Yeah. It was really hard. I I know I'm like a sensitive person. Sure. But also hard because I'm like. I, we went through hell. Yep. We went through so much to escape through communists, through not having food and not having water, not, you know, and to have somebody who grew up in the greatest country in the world mm-hmm. calling you a liar mm-hmm. or telling me that I have no idea what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I have so much more that I can share with you. I'll, I'll have to share with you how I had my operation done in Russia under our health care at seven, eight years old. What, what kind of... What? Was it your neck, you said? Um, I actually had uh, enlarged adenoids. Sure. And the doctor said they were so large, they were pressing my ear canal, and okay. I was about to go deaf. Sure. So I was about, I think I was turning eight, and they said, we have to get it removed. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a communist health care. I was considered old enough to be in the hospital by myself. So you would think it's in like America, you know, mm-hmm. you have your private room, mm-hmm. a nurse. No. Uh, they brought me to the hospital, my parents, then had to leave me there for a week. The hospital was this. It was a big room. Think about gymnasium sure. and cots. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I was. I was placed there. I had to leave for my surgery. I was eight years old. The day of my surgery, I was brought into a little room. And we stopped at a st- one of the stations. Uh, the nurse gave me a few drops to numb my throat. And there was not enough because she said that's all we have left. <laughs> yeah. I was brought to, I had to sit in a chair. Yeah. Just a little chair like that. They put like a stray jacket on me. Uh-huh. Tie my hands behind my back, my feet like this, put a tray of instruments there. I'm wide awake. Oh, how old are you? Eight. Oh, wow, okay. And so a doctor comes in, he sits right across from mm-hmm. me, like sitting across from me, and he's like, okay, grabs his stool, he's like, open up your mouth, and starts cutting. And I could feel, and then the blood just start gushing. And I mean, I'm in panic. You yeah. know, I could feel, you know, can you imagine uh-huh. him doing that with few drops of anesthesia? And I mean, blood everywhere. And oh, a nurse had to stand behind me and hold my hand. Yep. Because you can't escape. Well, because mm-hmm. you can't wiggle, mm-hmm. but you can move your head. Mm-hmm. So they had to steady my head so I would not wiggle. And that's how my surgery was done. That and when I was nuts. done, they're like, all right, now you can go back to your cot. At year, eight years old. And this is what people are advocating for, this kind of health care. It was like I was an animal. <laughs> but, how, how, but how do people... Go from thinking how well mm-hmm. healthcare is right now to that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, how, mm-hmm. how can someone process that? Mm-hmm. Can they even process something like that? It's, it's it was free. It was free. There you go. It was free. You know, free healthcare. This much anesthesia for me and other kids that were supposed to get. You know, and I remember her showing this to me. That's it. And they tie it to your chair. So you can't wiggle out. And then he just goes, you know, and, and but it was free, free healthcare. So, you know? so you're saying that people won't understand it until it actually happens. Absolutely, because they think that, and I know healthcare generally is expensive in America. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If God forbid somebody is having a heart attack, they're gonna save you. Yep. You know, we do not have that in Russia. Mm-hmm. I think people living past fifty was considered like, wow, you live oh, yeah. past fifty, I, I, wow, I you must that. be, you know. Uh, but I think everybody just thinks, you know what, if healthcare is free, we can go to the hospital like it is now, you know, it's just going to be great. That's not true. 
I, that's not true. What I just described to you, that's free health care. Mm-hmm. That's free health care. And it's basically, if we don't have enough of, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know? And there is not a lot, a lot of beds, so you sleep in a cot, you know, with so many people. You know, these hospitals, um, they were old, falling apart. Sure. It's not like walking into, you know, Spectrum and there's a restaurant there, there's beautiful, you know, decorations yeah whatnot, this is yeah. like all the salems that you yep. see mm-hmm. falling apart these were the hospital this was the health care and so when people are advocating for free health care i'm like what are you thinking like you honestly think the government is just going to be like oh yeah you know free health care and the hospitals are going to look great and you're going to get this wonderful operation we didn't have enough anesthesia we didn't have enough nurses we didn't have you know enough doctors people were dying but, you know, I think you're right. Unless it happens in this country, people are not going to believe you. Yeah. Well, it's so weird because China has found a way to use capitalism and communism mm-hmm. together and to, uh-huh. like, make a weird blend of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the product products that come out of China and, and, and as, at what scale it comes out mm-hmm. as. It's crazy because no other country in the world is doing that. Mm-hmm. The same time as it still has a a communist background, yeah. and I and I believe that it goes from different level from the local level all the way to the top, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it almost seems like you're issued a certain type of job by mm-hmm. the government, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and everything else is controlled. Like I, I I'm not sure how much of land is um, is privately owned. China yeah mm-hmm. but I believe but I believe like people people's creativities have been robbed from them oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. and it's weird you can see it because that's why they make fun of China saying that they copy everything because yeah. <laughs> they mm-hmm. can't think for themselves yeah, they can't come yeah. up with creative yeah. ideas mm-hmm. um, and it's sad mm-hmm. you know and yeah it's, it's a weird cycle because now people are saying that why can't we have capitalism and Mm -hmm. socialism Mm -hmm. in the same country Mm -hmm. you know um china's doing it but we want to do you really want to live in china exactly do you really want to live that lifestyle Mm -hmm. um not having a voice but like when they look at media they see giant skyscrapers Mm -hmm. they see giant manufacturing Mm -hmm. jobs if Mm -hmm. and they're like that's not really bad Mm -hmm. um but but it's hard to explain to them what ha- what mm-hmm. not having freedom looks like, what not being able to speak your mind looks like. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And liberalism stems from being a free country, and the people don't understand mm-hmm. that. Like people with blue hair, green, mm-hmm. like weird mm-hmm. type. Like th- th- you can look however you mm-hmm. want to look. Mm-hmm. The reason because you can look however you want to look is because of because it's a free country. Absolutely. And people don't mm-hmm. understand that, but people are like, oh, you, you want socialism, you want this, mm-hmm. you want that. Mm-hmm. You know when that comes in, you cannot look the way you look. Exactly. <laughs> they'll shave exactly. your head, and yeah. then they'll like send you to a camp, exactly. make sure you're, mm-hmm. you're up to a certain type of mm-hmm. a body type or a weight, yeah. and then they'll bring you back into society and make exactly. you look like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I and almost like I want to yell at people mm-hmm. all the time, but I'm like, I can't. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it can only mm-hmm. come to fruition through mm-hmm. conversations like this. Yeah. 
Hopefully. 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 <laughs> that, yes. That's yeah. there's there's still hope in that. Yeah. But like you said, I feel like people are still waking up little yeah. by little. You yeah. know, um, America mm-hmm. Americans are waking up. Yes. It has been a big dip. Yes. Into this mindless wandering. Yeah. And all this propaganda coming through, but yeah. Yeah. I believe. I believe people are stepping up, but I think that mm-hmm. it's going to take way more than what we're doing yeah. right now. Um, yeah. Like, what do you think on an individual level Americans can do to basically fight yeah. fight communism or fight socialism? Yeah, I, I think right now, just the pushback they're giving, mm-hmm. you know, especially against mandates, yep. that's good. And even, like, these um, broadcasts, not broadcasts, podcasts, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, uh, having a voice still, yep. trying to get it out there, doing that. And just continuously doing that pushback and not accepting, you know, just like what the government tells us, but having that pushback. You know, if you look at mainstream media, we might think like, oh my goodness, it's not working what we're doing. But mainstream media, they know that majority, 98% of Americans are, you know, against what the media is saying, but they make it seem like, oh, you know, uh, what we're saying, everybody believes us. Mm -hmm. But anyhow... um, I was just trying to say that because that's how they would do in Russia. It doesn't matter if you don't believe us. We're just going to put it on the news like it's the truth. But I think the pushback, the American people constantly putting things out there, constantly fighting and saying, you know, no, we're not going to accept this as the truth. No, we're not just going to, you know, take the vaccine because it's mandated. You know, we're, we are going to ask for an auction of our, or audits, I'm sorry, of um, the elections. Mm-hmm. Just constantly giving that pushback. Mm-hmm. Because when Americans really start giving the pushback, that's when we begin to see things begins to change. If the Americans were not doing that, I think we would have been where Australia is right now. I, to- I totally agree yeah. with you. And I'm glad people are pushing back. I'm glad people are yes. fighting for you know, a better educational system. Yeah. Oh, um, my goodness. Yes. Because it, it uh, Yuri Besman, I was saying, it takes at least two yeah. generations to uh, demoralize uh, a country. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at right now. Like, mm-hmm. Americans are have become demoralized. Yeah. They used to have standards. They used to have uh, values. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like some still do, but yeah. it's it's rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the school, yeah. anybody below 20, mm-hmm. they don't even understand what values and morals are. Yeah. It's almost like everything goes, right? Yeah, everyone is offended. Yeah, as long as you don't, everyone like, mm-hmm. don't get caught, you know, mm-hmm. everything goes. And yeah. you see young kids mm-hmm. robbing, stealing, and just don't not have any kind of consequences mm-hmm. for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I see it going pretty bad, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel like when people start speaking up, things yeah. might go yeah. the other way. But it's it's a battle. Oh, yeah. It's it's certainly it's, a battle. It's definitely a battle. And yeah. when you look mm-hmm. at this, mm-hmm. do you think it's a spiritual battle? Oh, absolutely. How so? Well. <clears throat> Once communism, you know, comes into the socialism, they take away your religion. You know, Christianity would be the first. And of course, America was a beacon of light. It was like the last hope. Mm -hmm. And as much as people want to say they hate America. It's the last free country. It is. And America has done so much for Christ, right? Mm -hmm. The missionaries, the Mm -hmm. Bibles. And it's like the last hope, the beacon on the hill. And if they can get to this country and change it, and what Satan is trying to do, of course, absolutely, and take away the Christianity, 
it's definitely, definitely a war against, mm -hmm. you know, against Satan and God. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of the people who are, you know, pushing this agenda are influenced by the enemy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And by taking away our freedom of religion, Christianity, what do you think they're going to do? You know, put us in the camps, probably even kill a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did that in Russia. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, they did that in Russia. People were killed for believing in Christ. And that's exactly what Saint wants to see happen, right? Uh, with China, they're not allowed to have Christianity. Okay, they might have capitalism, communism. They cannot practice Christianity. They're all underground. Mm -hmm. Any country, you know, when you look at communism, socialism, uh, North Korea, they're not allowed to have religion. Mm -hmm. Government is who you worship. Mm -hmm. We had pictures of Lenin everywhere or Stalin. I was going to ask you that yeah. because they do have pictures of Mao and, yeah. uh, and yeah. all over China. Like, oh, yeah. he's a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> we had pictures, you know, we wore little, uh, those pins, you know, on our school stuff. Well, you had to do that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, at school, everywhere we went, there was a picture of Lenin. Yes. You know, it was like, we had to give our allegiance to the government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the god. Yeah. So, there's no competing with mm -hmm, them. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely, absolutely, this is a spiritual war as well. Yeah. But mm -hmm. when, like, every time I go to, like, Alex's relative's mm -hmm. house, and as much as they are, some of them are conservative, yeah. they don't speak up as much as people like you and me do, mm -hmm. you know? They, they're like shocked when like someone like a person of color comes and says like America is the greatest country yeah, in the world yeah. uh, you know yeah. consider is the best way to go blah mm -hmm. blah communism socially yeah. when they hear that they're like they, they don't even know what to say they're like uh, <laughs> uh, I guess he's saying it <laughs> and and it's almost like when you do say America is the greatest country mm -hmm. in this side of heaven basically mm -hmm. it's almost like they they want they want you to be reminded of the bad that happened yeah. in America. They want you to be reminded of like slavery mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, indigenous people dying, yeah. whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they're like, is that what you love too? Is mm -hmm. that what you mm -hmm. love? And I'm like, mm -hmm. bro, those things happened. I'm not saying that didn't yeah. happen, yeah. but I'm saying like, mm -hmm. people died for something good to happen. And mm -hmm. I'm not, we're not saying that their lives went to waste. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying somebody sacrificed and that's what we have, what we have today. And yeah. But look at what happened in Europe. Yeah. How many wars they had. Yeah. You know, it's constantly England against Scotland, Scotland against England, France against Spain, Spain, you know, not that it's right, but that's how they, that's what they did. I mean, you know? that's what, I mean, people still conquered, yeah. people found new land. Land, uh, yes. When people came yeah. to, mm -hmm. came, came to the United States, I mean, yeah, it happened yeah. so where like Americans and the yeah. Europeans kind of you know, went hand in hand. Yeah. But obviously, cultural differences did bring war, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. it's it's a hard it's thing. Sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sad. As mm -hmm. much as we want to say we're human, mm -hmm. we yeah. are different. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we lived in the same house together, we would have differences too. Even yeah, though we yeah. may like have a lot in common. Yeah, you may uh, you may say things that maybe like, I might find like, oh, that's weird. Sure. Or I yeah. might say yeah, things culture, that like, oh, yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, mm -hmm. I don't know why he's doing that. But yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think even with those things, we can still overcome. Yeah. You know, we can still have absolutely. conversations. We don't have to be mm -hmm. offended. We don't have mm -hmm. to take things personally. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just think that we should just keep speaking up. Absolutely. You know, um, telling people the truth. Yep. And mm -hmm. what was, 
like, at what point did you did you feel like social media was not a platform where you could talk? Oh my goodness! I mean, I know you said yeah. the uh, the censorship happened, yeah. but but what made you say enough is enough? Yeah, the backlash. You know, just to seeing people who you were <coughs> sorry Before, yeah. uh, that you you they were your friends. You yeah. grew up within Russia, you know, or so much just you know that pushback. Mm -hmm. I think that was the hardest. Um, it made me feel you know they made you feel bad by posting certain things. They made you feel like. Why did you do it? Or the the responses I got that was really hard. Being disappointed in people, I think that was the hardest at all. And I think in some way, I kind of almost felt maybe my voice is not being heard. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like why am I doing this? I'm getting backlash, and is there a different way for me to have my voice heard? You know, uh, but like my aunt, who she's still on, you know, Facebook. Yeah. And she's been to jail, you know, Facebook jail, mm -hmm. so many times. But she just keeps pushing that, you know, um, the truth, mm -hmm. even though there's so many people coming against her. Sure, yeah. And I think, we, you know, personality difference too, but I think I'm a little bit more sensitive to that. And just feeling so much pushback mm -hmm. from people you thought you were your friends and being disappointed and having people unfriend you that you knew for years. You're like, why? I, I All I'm trying to do is speak the truth. Mm -hmm. I think that was hard. Like yeah. people just unfriending you, like yep. they were offended. But the thing is, they could post anything they want, like the you know Democrat. And mm -hmm. then the moment you spoke the truth, they offended you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but I knew you for twenty some years. Like yeah. my post offended you. I think that was hard for me. I I got rid of Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just. And it was the same thing for me. Um, it was pretty similar because I just found no, I didn't find any positivity in in mm -hmm. communication. Yeah. That was it. Like, yeah. I I knew mm -hmm. I could say whatever I want. I would be put in jail, Facebook jail. Yeah. But at the same time, like even if I try to say something, I just didn't feel like it. it you were read, heard. Yeah, I was yeah. heard, mm -hmm. or people could understand what I was saying mm -hmm. because obviously it's words. Yeah. I just believe that this form, this mm -hmm. format of like long form. Yeah. conversation mm -hmm. someone wants to hear it you know yeah. they disagree with it fine yeah at least yeah. this is out there you know exactly mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but i would love to just jump on this one specific topic and then we can close sure. it out yeah. mm -hmm. um our churches are pushing this agenda too you know they're pushing mm -hmm. racism they're pushing yeah. black lives matter they're mm -hmm. pushing uh mm -hmm. everything that that does have a overlay over it's pretty shallow, but the surface level is mm -hmm. compassion, right? Yeah. Because Black, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter is like, mm -hmm. oh, you don't love black people. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the first thing you say. But more, mm -hmm. it's more like, we, mm -hmm. from from our perspective, it's like we love black people mm -hmm. to the point where like we don't want them to go down that track where like mm -hmm. they use as a pawn, use exactly. as a as a puppet. You know, exactly. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. the church is using racism. The word racism mm -hmm. to say, hey, you should not be racist, but people yeah. are like, I, I don't even know what that means. Like, mm -hmm. and a sort sort of like a social justice sort of yeah. um, message that they're constantly mm -hmm. putting out. And I'm just like, how do I talk to these people? How do I combat? Mm -hmm. I feel like God is definitely putting things on my heart and sure, to talk sure. about yeah. and mm -hmm. how to talk to people about these things. But in my initial take on that was like, man, it's already stepping into. Yeah. Christianity where it's mm -hmm. destroying Christianity from within mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like yeah. I mentioned before it's 
Mm-hmm. If you don't side with that, then you don't have compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, absolutely. If they feel like, like you said, if they say anything else, well, how could you say that you're a Christian? You're supposed to be for people, mm-hmm. but it's like you're falling into the trap that Satan is, is setting. You know, mm-hmm. basically, he is. What is really this whole agenda with Black Lives Matter? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, it matters. Every life matters. Of course, their life matters. But see, it's the government. They're just, you know, propagating this machine of saying, mm-hmm. oh, see, uh, this is happening because your life doesn't matter. Well, nobody ever said that. Yep. As there are bad people, Simon, there's bad people in every nationality. Yep. Look what happened in my country, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, there's bad Armenians, bad Russians, bad whites. But it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? But the fact that the church is basically repeating the same thing that the government, uh, you know, and saying that as a compassion is very sad. They're supposed to have a discernment, you know, they're supposed to, um, yes, we're supposed to love people, but we shouldn't be a mouthpiece for the government, mm-hmm. you know, instead of repeating what they're saying, you know, maybe go out in your communities and help people, help people to see the truth, speak the truth, you know, uh, change people's lives by, you know, by Christ and not repeating the agenda of the government. Who is here to basically divide and conquer because mm-hmm. that's what they're doing yeah that's and that's a really difficult question because i think for african-american people if they hear us say anything else you know they'll say we're racist that their lives don't matter but that's not true jesus died for them as well mm-hmm. jesus died for everybody but the hard thing is i don't think that the church sh- should get into politics in that manner you know repeating what the mainstream media is repeating because what really happened with that whole movement? Re- remember the whole, you know, Black Ma- uh, Lives Matter. How much damage was done? Yep. How many people were killed? You know, the looting, the rioting. Yeah, yep. it was horrible. So it was not. You, you could see the, the fruit of God was not in that movement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the church, and like you said, are doing that because they want to say compassion as a Christ. We should accept everybody, but. Again, I think they're just repeating, you know, that the propaganda, the whole thing that mainstream media is saying. So yeah, that's that's hard because I, I think if you would answer one way, people might say, "Oh, you're racist. You don't believe that." You know, Black Lives Matter. If you answer the other way, people are gonna say, "Oh, you're for Black Lives Matter." I believe that Jesus died for all. Yeah. So that's like my, you know, like every life matter, but again the whole Black Lives Matter movement. It it was the government that put the African-American people in that position that they're Mm -hmm. in. And then they're turned, instead of on themselves saying, you know, we're responsible for this, they're saying it's white people's fault. I hope that's a a good answer. Yeah, I mean, I I totally, I'm on, uh, I see your point, basically. Um, And to me, it's just sad to see preachers especially white preachers yeah. mm-hmm. they, f- they have the white guilt yeah. you know so they have yeah. To, yeah. they have to yeah. say something about it yeah. if not then they're like uh that means i don't you know i'm not for the people mm-hmm. for this for that mm-hmm. but i think when they when they start going down that line that social yeah. justice line mm-hmm. i feel they're fighting an earthly battle not yeah. a spiritual battle yeah because yeah. you gotta call it evil, evil, exactly. and good, mm-hmm. good. You mm-hmm. know, s- because I believe that yeah. racism doesn't exist; mm-hmm. good and evil does. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because now mm-hmm. racism, the word racism, is 
has f- specifically focused on a certain race. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That when you mm-hmm. use the w- word racism, you, all you can think mm-hmm. of is like white people doing something to yeah. wrong to other people. Mm-hmm. Where if you call it evil, mm-hmm. then it points to everybody mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. own specific heart. So yeah. um, I just hope Christians and pastors would, would yeah. stop using the, uh, the social justice movement, but to just yeah. speak from the heart, speak from the spirit, call yeah. out everybody. Yeah. Call out blacks, whites, mm-hmm. Asians, communism, mm-hmm. socialism, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. I just hope they call it out yeah. for what it is rather than being fearful of certain words Offending. or being called a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody's so afraid of offending. You yep. know, it's like offend. And Jesus offended people, but yep. he spoke the truth. You know, yep. And truth does offend. Yep. But the thing is, uh, we have to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And we, like you said, yeah, we shouldn't. In the church being, you know, talking about um, things that are, like you said, evil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thanks yeah, for coming awesome. on. Thank you so much we'll for having totally me. We'll totally do this again.